Hello everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Specials, and this episode is specifically the DC Comics New 52 Special. Now we had a relaunch special back in June where we discussed all the news related to DC relaunching all of the DC titles, and specifically for September 52 titles. This special specifically is dealing with everything that we've learned in the last three months since they announced it, as well as this is releasing the Friday before Justice League number one, as well as Flashpoint number five, which those two issues are actually supposed to launch what's happening in September per se. So with that, we have a wide range of people to give their opinions on everything. So I'm going to run through everybody who's here real quick, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what we're going to be doing on this special. So first up, from the comic cast, we have Don. Hello. And we also have Joe. Hello. And from the normal cast, we have John. Hello. And we have Melinda. Hello. And then joining us from Backworld Oracle, we have Stella. Hi. And the future new co-host of the comic podcast, John. Hello. All right, so Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to run through all the series. We're going to give our thoughts on the the creators that were announced. We've done this in the past, but obviously we have a lot more people, a lot more opinions on some of the announcements that have come from not only San Diego Comic-Con, as well as the news that DC has released through various sources like Newsarama and Comic Book Resources and interviews done with the creators. So we're going to run through those and give our remarks on some of the news that we've heard from them. And then what we're going to do is after we get done with all of the books, we're going to go back through and we're actually going to make some overall predictions for a bunch of specific characters. Clearly, Barbara Gordon's going to have a lot of effects with what's going on because clearly she's going to be able to walk, or at least we assume she's going to be able to walk since they're showing her swinging around the streets of Gotham, as well as some of the other characters that are changing their roles, like Dick Grayson going back to Nightwing, Stephanie Brown obviously not being Batgirl anymore. Yeah. So the idea is that we're trying to make as many predictions as we can about what we can expect for everything coming September. This is obviously the new 52, but there's not just 52 series. Come October, there's also going to be two miniseries coming out, as well as we already know that there's also two other series coming out in 2012, and those will be Batman Beyond and Batman Incorporated. So, tons of stuff. Now, there's a little bit of a special going on with this specific special. We actually have a sponsor for this episode, and it is PopFunk.com. PopFunk.com is a new online t-shirt shop that carries everything pop culture, from Batman to Superman and Betty Boop to Popeye. PopFunk.com truly has a t-shirt for every taste. Visit www.PopFunk.com to find official and exclusive tees with your favorite characters and brands. And if you are listening to this episode, you actually have a chance to win a t-shirt from popfunk.com. Uh, we will have two winners who will be able to not only choose their size of t-shirt, but also the design of the t-shirt. If you head over to the website, there's a banner clearly at the top of the page. It says popfunk.com. Click on that banner, head over there, find out exactly what popfunk.com has to offer. Tons of Batman stuff, they have Batgirl things, they have all kinds of DC related stuff, as well as other non-Batman related. So if you are interested in that, head over to the site, click on the banner, pick a shirt, and email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net with your pick, and we will get you a shirt if you are the winner. Alright, so first things first, we are going to kind of go through the history of each one of our hosts today with the Batman book. Some of our hosts are fairly new to Batman comics in general, and some of them have been around 
and been reading comics for a really long time. So what we need to do is we're going to run through everybody's history with the Bat books and say exactly how they came to be with comics and what their main story that brought them into comics. So starting with myself, I originally started reading comics because I received a subscription as a gift for my birthday one year for The Batman Adventures, which was the, I guess, in today's world would be part of the Johnny DC line related to the Batman animated series, and all the art was based off of that, and the stories were based off of everything that was happening in the TV series. What really got me into comics, though, was Batman No Man's Land. That was the first giant story arc that I read and really brought me into Batman comics. I only had all of the animated series comics for a very long time, but No Man's Land was the very first series that introduced me to the wide range of Batman family characters outside of the animated series. So that was myself. I first got into the character when I was a kid. I was born like right before Batman the Animated Series debuted. So I would watch that, and concurrently I would watch old reruns of the 60s show. So I had different interpretations of Batman coming at me, very dark and very light. And as a kid, I really didn't differentiate the two, so I just liked the character and what he was all about. As I got older, the more mature sensibilities that I started to take relegated towards Batman and the more mature storylines he had with Dark Knight Returns and everything. Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One were the first two of the post-crisis series that I had. And I didn't start collecting until Bruce Wayne Murderer slash Fugitive and definitely when Hush started up, I started collecting, and that coupled with the knowledge I had going into the character and just rereading back issues and uh, reading current issues. He's my favorite character, and I've read the past 15 years. My introduction into comics is kind of strange when I was younger, right before naps. My mother used to read me those collectible stat cards. So like a baseball card, it would have the stats of superheroes. And that was more Marvel, but that was really what got me into comics in general. Spider-Man was the main comic that I collected. But once I started watching Batman the Animated Series, and before that I had been introduced to Batman with Michael Keaton and the 60s somewhat, but really, that was my big introduction to the Batman universe, and I really uh, grew attached or, or fond of the Batgirl character. And then I think it really exploded from there uh, after reading Batgirl Year One. So obviously, you can tell that my allegiance is towards Batgirl, but Batman is a character that I really enjoy just because... He's so deep, I think, and it's more the Batman being his actual identity and Bruce Wayne almost being the mask. And I do have to say that I just finished No Man's Land, and I would have to say that that is probably by far the best, I don't know if you would call that a maxi-series, I guess just like a major crossover, and I think that's probably the first crossover in the Bat books that I've ever read, so I, I very much enjoy that. I came through the films specifically batman begins and basically watched that film and thought wow an amazing film so after catching up on a few podcasts through various uh, groups such as our good self i went back and started picking up issues i picked up war games volume two read that and was completely blown away i loved the art i was so intrigued by the story. I had to go back and get the other ones just to, to flesh out my understanding. And really it led from there. And I'm, I'm basically trying to pick up as many trade paperbacks as I can. And I've just finished reading Batman and Robin. My first 
introduction to Batman, I don't think there really was one because he's such an icon in popular culture that he's always been there. But the first trade paperback I ever got was The Last Halloween. And that's because I was into graphic novels and things like that. And I just saw that one and it looked good and I picked it up and read it. And then the first ever issue of Batman I read, which is when I started collecting, was The Return of Bruce Wayne, issue one which obviously was a bit confusing for someone who knew very little about comic continuities, which made me then go back and start reading issues and and uh, trade paperbacks. And I found the podcast, which obviously helped listening to lots of the back episodes, which explained a lot of Grant Morrison to me. Um, I picked up Whatever Happened to the Caped Crusader because I saw A, Neil Gaiman's name on the front, and B, that it was the death of Batman. I really wanted to know how DC could kill off such an iconic character and I found out it wasn't really explained in that story so I started to go back and then further back and then further back and it just kind of led to this. I started listening to the podcasts so that I could catch up and kind of know what was going on news-wise and then started watching the movies. My first comics were a collection of pocketbook size reprints of the first few Spider-Man stories but I know that I saw lots of reruns of the Batman 60s show old Batman cartoons and Super Friends stuff, and I remember Batman teaming up with Scooby-Doo. I don't have a specific memory of ex- being exposed to him, but I know that I knew enough about Batman to be excited about the 1989 movie. So we started reading comics in late 1990, right before Tim Drake started up as Robin, which was kind of cool to feel like we were getting in on the ground floor of a new era there. My brother and I collected comics for two or three or four years, and we kind of got bored at one point, but I got back into comics in late 2008 after the Iron Man movie got me all excited about comics again. And I've been reading left and right. As far as modern Batman, I read the Grant Morrison run up through Batman RIP and the battle for the cowl. And due to some various circumstances, I stopped reading at that point, but I'm getting back into it with the new 52 stuff. And I've read a whole bunch of the golden age Batman. All right. So real quickly, if you were to, Rank yourself as far as knowledge of Batman continuity. The scale is 1 through 10, number 1 being you know everything there is to know, and 10 being you are fairly new to the knowledge that is Batman continuity. Where would you rank yourself? Okay. Well, I know a lot, I think. I would put myself up around a 2. I would probably say a 6 or a 5, I guess. I'd say 3, 4. I'd give myself a five, maybe a four. I'd like to say higher, but there is a lot of stories I haven't read. I would probably go five, six. Like Joe, there's just a lot that I haven't read yet. Yeah, I want to say six. There's a lot of, I know in general, outline, but there's a lot of stories I haven't read. And myself, I wouldn't claim to know everything. I know that I don't know everything because despite the fact that I've pretty much read everything from 1970 forward, there's a lot of stuff from the Silver Age that I'm not super knowledgeable about. And I know some of the stuff from the Golden Age probably better than the Silver Age, but overall I I wouldn't give myself the highest ranking possible, so I would also give myself a 2. There's tons of things out there. And that's what's important. For the most part, the current continuity for Batman has really been focused ever since Batman Year One happened in the late 80s. And then moving forward from there, yes, there's obviously some things that happened before that that still fall inside the confines of the continuity for Batman right now. But the, the, the reality is that, for the most part, if you've been reading comics since the late 
80s, you've gotten a pretty decent knowledge of everything that's been going on because even comics that were released prior to Batman Year One, you still have a good idea because things have been rehashed and retold in various different ways where there's a current event happening that that comes up regarding something from the past. So with that, there's there's tons of things, but for the most part, if you really need to know a lot about continuity, you really just have to have been reading a lot of the stuff since Batman Year One came came out in the late 80s. All right, so with that, let's start off with some of the, the series that have been announced and kind of give our ideas and thoughts about that. The very first series we'll t- we're going to talk about is Detective Comics. All right, Detective Comics number one is going to be written and drawn by Tony Daniel, and really the only things that we've learned since the announcement of the original series is that there's going to be a serial killer known as the Gotham Ripper, as well as a character called the Dollmaker, which will also be a villain. What's interesting is that Tony Daniel really hasn't revealed a whole lot of information. He has revealed some pages from some of the issues, you know, non-inked or non-colored pages. But for the most part, story-wise, everything's pretty been hush-hush on this this side, which is kind of, I, I wouldn't say is unusual for Tony Daniel. He doesn't really tend to reveal a lot. When he does do interviews, he always says, well, I don't really want to reveal a whole lot. So truth be told, I'm... I'm not really looking forward to this. I think it was a bad idea on DC's part to put Tony Daniel in charge of the most, pretty much, in my opinion, the most iconic series under the DC Comics brand because Detective Comics is actually where the company name derives from, DC Comics. And I think that Tony Daniel is not the person who should be leading the front with this, this series. Tony Daniel, in my opinion, worked well on Batman because it wasn't the flagship title. But it turns out, I guess, with this new relaunch, it seems that DC's kind of making the flagship title Batman this time around. When I first heard that Daniel was going to be on Detective going from Batman and that Snyder was switching as well, I thought that was a very a very lazy, not well-thought-out plan. It was very, I don't know, complacent with just switching these two writers. But then I remembered that there was a time where Alan Grant and, I believe, Doug Minch switched around the late, late late 80s early 90s i believe grant was on batman or he was on detective at one point and then they switched to batman so this is not this is not exactly unprecedented but those are both great writers and with this now tony daniel's been on the on batman book since around 2006 he's been writing since about 2009 and i really think that with that his last arc it was just it wasn't bad it wasn't like horrible at all or anything, but it wasn't very memorable. It was nice that they have a lot of the classic characters like Two-Face and the Riddler in there, but nothing of substance really happened. And there were some interesting things or ideas like you had Gilda Dent return or you would have Riddler have a daughter or whatever, but those ideas basically went nowhere. They're just kind of in there just to be there. And Detective Comics, as Dustin said, is a very iconic title, which... Yes, Scott Snyder's going to be awesome on Batman, but with Detective Comics, you can't just treat that as a secondary title. And that's why I sort of feel as though they're doing. They may, I'm not sure what the general opinion is on, on Daniel's run writing Batman. Over here in the, in the Batman universe, we've kind of been like just kind of meh on it generally. And that I, I have no, we have no reason to think that it's going to be anything different. So I am not looking forward to it really. I'm not saying it's going to be horrible, but it doesn't, it doesn't look anything special. And with this relaunch, Everything has to be special in order to justify and get people excited about it. 
Well, there are two main things. One of them is really simple. It's just sad to see something that what just came out with issue 713 or so. Is that correct? Uh, Detective Comics. Go back to... 871. Uh, okay, there you go. Go back to number one. It's just, and I, it's even worse with action comics. But that's just, that's a little troubling. I find it interesting that Daniel is going a different route, kind of creating this new character, rather than going uh, a path that has already been paved, perhaps bringing up the Joker or some other iconic villain. So in that way, I do applaud him. I assume the Gotham Ripper is a new character. And I haven't read too much of him, but the whole writer-artist concerns me a little bit just because I wonder how he devotes his time. And DC has sort of promised us, you know, no delays. And I just, I don't know, it makes me a little nervous. But I guess we'll see. That's, that's all I can really say. I think there's actually, being quite controversial, quite good sense swapping Snyder and Daniels over. I think Daniels, to me, struggles when he writes action-packed stuff. Battle for the Cow, which is quite action-packed, was pretty meh. And Detective Comics, to me, has always been quite Batman doing his detective work, you know, the magnifying glass and things like that. And, and he's a bigger name as well. A lot of people n- are more aware of, of Tony Daniel. Whereas Scott Snyder, as brilliant as he is, is very new to comics. So I think by by swapping them over and giving a more established writer, to, to me, the bigger comic as well, it is, is, I can understand the thinking behind it, and, and that to me makes rational sense. And I think as long as Tony Daniels sticks with his his detective work and and stays away from being too actiony i i actually think this might be quite good i'm agreeing with john fully because i believe what tony daniel does do better is his detective he likes to bring in the crime elements he likes to bring in the the mob and the families and stuff like that and i think that will work better in detective comics whereas batman has always been the more superhero of the batman books so I'm, I think he will work better in that. And as for Stella's comment about applauding him for not going with the Joker straight away, I'd agree with that, except it does look like the Joker's on the front cover of the first issue. So whether that's just a Joker lookalike or it's just, uh, hey, look, the Joker and Batman on the same cover by this, I'm not sure. Um, as for him writing and penciling, My first thought of that was, how long is that going to last, really? Because as we've seen in his run in Batman at the moment, he's um, already having to give up, unless that is to focus on this new title, which hopefully that's the case. Hopefully he's he's, um, stopping art duties on Batman at the moment to focus on detectives so that there won't be delays and his art will be consistent. But if it's not and he's going to start slacking or not being able to put enough time into his work, then I'm going to be disappointed. Tony Daniels' writing to me has never been really that great. I I don't find his story arcs memorable. I do really enjoy his art, but I'm noticing that it says that uh, on Detective Comics number one, it's art by Tony Daniel and Ryan Wynn, so I don't think that we're going to run into the delays as often. Uh, I think they will still be there. 
And like Stella said, I'm really sad to see this go back to issue one, but I seem to remember reading in an interview that Dan DiDio said that it would be perceived as a gimmick unless they took all of them back to number one, like including action comics, including detective comics. So I kind of understand their logic behind doing that so that it's not perceived as a gimmick. Um, I like the idea of the Gotham Ripper because that to me suggests Jack the Ripper and I loved the Gotham by Gaslight storyline. I kind of hope that that's a longer running story arc, that that's not something that's done in three. I really don't know what to expect from, from Detective Comics. I, I think the cover is one of the best ones of the lot. And I'm trying to figure out if, that, if that's the Joker's head that's bleeding out on the ground with all the doll heads, or if that's supposed to be something else. And if that's the Joker's head down there, then what does that mean? Or is it just, you know, to catch your eyes and say, look, it's number one, it's a cool cover, you want to buy it? Um, there's nothing in the solicit information that's really grabbing me, but, uh, this is Detective Comics, and hopefully they realize that this is Detective Comics. It's kind of funny, because whenever I was younger, I never really thought of Detective Comics as being the front runner. We always bought Batman. Um, but, but, you know, since then I've realized just what, what, a what a role Detective Comics plays in the storyline. So, I'm, I'm hoping for good stuff, but, but so far there's nothing that's really saying this is going to be amazing. One of the things that's interesting is, you know, Joe brought it up about how long is it really going to be writer-slash-artist uh, Tony Daniel actually on the series. Um, there's been a number of different times where he has given up art for, you know, a month at a time and had a fill-in artist. Most of the time, most of the time whenever it's a fill-in artist, it somehow ends up being Gilliam March for some odd reason. Um, not only on Batman, but other titles as well. But uh, he... He had a month off for that uh, crazy crossover between Gotham City Sirens, Red Robin, and Batman. And then after that, it was there was like two issues that he was doing the art. And then straight after that, for the rest of the you know time that he was on the title and through J- July, he essentially was not doing the art at all. And there was a combination of I think like three different artists doing the art. And I'm. I think the what it comes down to is if he's actually telling a story, it's going to end up being just like what he did before, where he uses he he's telling a story and the story wants to be told, so that's what's going to get the main focus of his attention at least, while the art isn't necessarily going to get the attention that it really needs. I think Tony Daniel is a really good artist, and I think he does a better job as an artist than a writer. So to see him tell a story that is mediocre. And then to see his art not actually being in the book, that's what ticks me off about Tony Daniels' work ethic, is that, if anything, get a writer to help you with the story so that way you can do what you're really good at, which is the art. It will be interesting also because as we go through these titles, there's clearly a number of different creators who've had issues in the past with getting things out on time as well as having fill-in writers or artists come aboard to help them get their stuff out on time. And... One thing that DC has said, which was mentioned earlier, is that they said that there will not be any delays, that they're specifically making sure that there is no delays. So because there's not going to be a delays, I'm also foreseeing DC having one-issue things to pop in when they need to, to make sure that things get out on time. I really see that happening. We don't have Batman Confidential anymore, or Superman Batman to tell the one-off stories. So I really see if they need to them popping in an issue that has nothing to do with the storyline just to make sure that the title comes out on time. And we know that DC takes stories and, you know, takes art 
and holds on to it for long periods of time waiting for the right time to release it. And without those non-continuity books out there right now, it's going to probably end up happening just like that. Are they going to have multiple stories in the Detective Comics, or is it just going to be one story in one issue? Essentially, the way it's the way it's been told for all of the different series is that the creators have been told write the story the way you want to. You don't have to format it in three issue story arcs. If you want to do one issue story arcs, that's completely fine. You can basically write it any way you want. It can be contained in one issue, two issues, 12 issues. It doesn't matter to them. They just want to make sure that they get the stuff out on time. What they did make a point to say was, and th that was Dane DiDio who said that, and he said that it's the, and the, the big concern for a lot of the industry people was, well, how exactly do you make that into a trade if you've got, you know, one issue story arc here, two issues here, four issues there? How do you make that into a trade paperback? And Dane DiDio said, well, you know, it's not the job of the creator to make it so that this can be collected as a trade. It's the editor's job to figure out how to do that. And I, I believe that, and I think it is an editor's job. I think the editors over the past few years have been getting it really easy because they haven't been really doing anything but collecting, you know, the four-issue or three-issue story arcs and leaving out the random one-issues that are thrown in there. As far as making deadlines, we've already heard that Action Comics 2 has a sub-artist. Rags Morales is not doing that. He's moving on to issue three. So hmm. it's, it's definitely something I think is going to happen no matter what. DC is sticking with this, you know, they don't want delays. And if they need to and it gets to the point where they have to make sure that the book comes out, I think no matter what, they're going to have something in that book, whether or not it's the, the story that's being told from the previous month or not. And it won't have many stories in it, like Alfred or... <laughs> no, I don't, I don't imagine co-features okay. or... Uh, you know, multiple stories. That would be cool to see in one of the titles. I would think Batman and Robin would be cool since there's not an actual Robin title, but... Well, that was the reason for the 299. Like, the two pages we lost were replaced with letters pages. Yeah. For one of the reasons, at least. Alright, so then the next series we're going to talk about is Batman. Uh, now, this is going to be written by Scott Snyder with art by Greg Pulo, and the... There, we, we've learned a number of different things, but most of everything we've learned is the same things we've learned since June. It just is the same stuff repeated again and again. Um, essentially, this Scott Snyder, who did an amazing job in Detective Comics, and has told an amazing story over 11 issues that somehow tied all together, despite the fact that you, you had no idea it was going to tie all together until that last issue. He's writing Batman. He has gone on to say that the story that he's going to be telling is kind of deriving from some of what he did with Detective Comics, but also what he did with Batman Gates of Gotham. It's going to deal with more of the history of Gotham City and kind of lay out some of the, lay out more groundwork for, you know, the generations from the prior generations of Graysons, Drakes, Waynes, things like that, and build on that. And then in turn, Gotham City current day is going to kind of be affected by some of the things that have happened in the past that Bruce Wayne may not know about. He's already promised that there's going to be a number of classic villains appearing as well as new villains. In my opinion, I don't have any doubt that he's going to do a good job because there was a couple months of Detective Comics where I was thinking, where's this going? Where's this going? And, you know, the last couple issues of Detective Comics, he tied everything together perfectly and it made complete sense. So I, I'm putting my faith for the Bat books in Batman for now because personally, I think this is going to be probably the best title that there is. 
And I think one of the reasons why they moved him over to Batman instead of keeping him on Detective Comics was Batman tends to sell better because it says Batman on it. If you walk into a shop and you see something that says Batman with Batman on the cover, you're more likely to buy that than you are to buy Detective Comics with Batman on the cover. I think that's just the way it goes. It's also, I believe, the reason why Batman the Dark Knight does so well with sales is because it has that title. And I think Snyder's work wasn't nearly as appreciated in, in certain senses by getting the sales and getting the sales rank with all of the comics for the month because he was writing on Detective Comics and not Batman. And consistently, Batman was selling better despite the fact that it wasn't nearly as good as what was happening in Detective Comics. So, um, Greg Capullo's art, he's been working on this stuff for a long time. He comes from Image Comics. He worked on the series Haunt. And he's not known to have a lot of delays especially when he has a lot of time like he has to, to prepare for projects. So um, I think this is going to be, again, like Detective Comics prior to the relaunch, this is going to be very consistent with the not only the storytelling and art, but also the, the actual release time. I don't see any problems with this series. With Scott Snyder, it's the exact same situation as Tony Daniel in that you judge your uh, opinions preconceptions of his run from the new DC relaunch based off of his past work in the last year of uh, the title he's working on. And opposite of Tony Daniel, where Tony Daniel was very lukewarm, nigh mediocre, Scott Snyder was just absolutely incredible. It's been a long time since we've read a story that was just as just as illuminating in terms of just like like mystery and surprise and just stark darkness and great character moments and his writing is excellent and it's perfect for batman so i'm very pleased that he's going to be writing bruce wayne batman in this flagship batman title um with a greg pulo really if you would compare his cover to tony daniel's cover I was actually incredibly jazzed when i first saw this batman cover because it's a striking image you see batman partly covered in shadow. You see the big black bat draped across his chest. You see his, his humongous cape right behind him, just almost eclipsing the entire the entire area with all of his foes, new and old, like just laying down, just defeated. And that's the image. To me, that's a that's an iconic Batman image that looks fresh and new even today just because it is so well rendered. Whereas, not to downgrade Tony Daniels' image, but it's kind of a vague, not even a vague, it's sort of like a, a static image. Whereas this one, you can feel energy off of. So I was incredibly excited when I saw his art. I'm not very familiar with him, although I did learn later that he has worked on Spawn, which should uh, <laughs> give him some precedence with the drawing capes. So there, I agree with Dustin. This is probably going to be the premier Batman title, and it's one of my most anticipated titles to read once this starts. So. Uh, I've said it before in other places, but not here. I'm actually really happy that there's only one Batman. I, I don't really like when there are multiple same name characters running around, and I think that it needed to be Bruce Wayne, so I'm happy about that. From, you know, everything about Scott Snyder, I have complete faith in him, unlike, you know, Detective Comics, where we just don't know where it's going to go. I think that this will indeed be the book to buy, so I'll keep it short there. Um, going back to my point earlier, and I, I again think this is backed up by the cover art. For Detective, it's very static. It's very, well, what's going on? There's a mystery. But for Batman, that's a really action-packed picture. It, it's going to be action-packed. And I think Scott 
Snyder is a action writer. I, I went back and read a few issues um, of his run in preparation, and they're very action-packed and very kind of lots going on and quite kind of gory, but in a good way. And I, I think this, this again, is... is the direction it'll be going and, and that's how it'll go and I think it's going to work really well again Yeah, uh, like everyone else I'm looking forward to Scott Snyder I have complete faith in him, I'm sure he'll do it really well and I'm also interested to see his writing without the um, the horror element which he likes to include As for Capullo's art I'm not so keen on it if it's uh, it looks it's very stylized and I'm not sure if I'm keen on it, especially some of the new character designs like the Riddler and his question mark mohawk. Whether that's just an iconic image for the cover or if it's how the Riddler is going to be drawn from now on, I'm not sure. We'll have to wait and see. But I'm not so keen on it. One of the things that I'm really excited about for Scott Snyder is he doesn't seem to have the problem with exposition that other writers have. So I think the flow of dialogue, the reveal of information throughout the series is going to go a lot more smoothly than it does for other writers. And with a relaunch, I think that's really important because they're they're reworking certain parts of the continuity, I'm sure. Um, and the art, the cover looks fantastic. Going back to Detective just for a second, I couldn't figure out why that cover looked familiar. Pretty sure it's just a reworking of one of the Batman Reborn covers. And I think that's almost a little bit lazy, whereas the cover for Batman number one looks fresh. You've got Batman having taken down three of his most well-known nemeses. Uh, I guess I'm having an opposite reaction to the covers, because I really liked that Detective Comics one cover, and number three stands out pretty well. The the main thing that excites me about the Batman series, two things, is that delving into history... I like that. I like giving us giving a sense of world building to the story. So trying to find out things from Gotham's past that affected today, I kind of like those kinds of stories. And Tony Daniels' reputation. Since I'm coming back to Batman as as the fresh reader, they're supposed to be appealing to. I, I don't really know what he's been doing in Detective. I just heard really rave reviews about it. I I, I thought the Batman number one cover is I don't know. It just seems kind of dark and obscure. Although the Batman 3 cover that we've seen looked pretty awesome. All right, so the general consensus is that Batman is, you know, pretty pretty up there as far as the the number one pick. Now, moving into the next two series, I'm going to kind of talk about these simultaneously. Um, first off, we have got Batman and Robin, which is just basically relaunching the current Batman and Robin series, even though it only had 26 issues. Um... We're going to have Peter Tomasi as the writer and Patrick Gleason as the artist. And what's interesting about this is that after Grant Morrison left Batman and Robin with uh, issue 17, Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason were announced as they were the next up. They were going to be the, the creative team that was coming on to the series. After delaying it for about three months and having Paul Cornell and Scott McDaniel do a story arc, um, they came on, they did a three-issue story arc, and then they disappeared. Now, whether or not they disappeared so that they could be writing this new relaunch, Batman Robin, or not, is, you know, I don't know that for sure. But I would guess that was the reason behind it, because if they needed three months to get one issue out, 
And, well, the, the DC's reason for giving them the break was, well, they just got done doing a lot of the Brightest Day stuff and Green Lantern, so we want to give them a break before they get into Batman and Robin. But then there was a lot of, like, unknown qualities that were coming out as far as, okay, so why exactly did they hype up them coming onto the series for one story arc? And now we know why, is because they're actually going to be relaunching the series as well. Personally, they're... Peter Tomasi can, he's kind of, for me at least, hit or miss. I, I'm more familiar with his work with Nightwing in the past. He has told some decent stuff in other senses. It's stuff that really doesn't make a lot of, it's not that it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's that it really is unnecessary. You don't need to, to further along things that don't really do anything for the overall continuity. It's, it's one thing to tell a story just to tell a story. It's another thing to like make it seem like you're, you're going at lengths to tell something that really needs to be told, but has no pertaining information to anything that's going to happen in the future, which is what he did with the character in his story arc back in, I believe it was February, of Batman and Robin. And based on the description of the series, we know that the first villain that they're going to have in the series is called Nobody. And it just, it, automatically it's, it's making me think that it's going to have the same feel as the, the unknown villain that he set up, which was the White Knight in his last story arc for Batman and Robin. The other interesting thing about the series is it's not Dick Grayson and Damian Wayne anymore, it's Bruce Wayne and, and Damian Wayne. So you get that father-son element that really you, we have never really seen that much ever in the Batman books, specifically because they've they've always worked separate. Batman didn't really want to work with Damien very well because he saw that Damien worked well with Dick Grayson and thought of them as a better team. So that'll be the first time we see that dynamic. My only concern is that based off of what Peter Tomasi did with Damien with his last story arc, I'm concerned that we might be going back to the bratty Damien that hasn't really been around for a while because that's what he did before. The other series to bring up is Batman the Dark Knight. Now, this is David Finch's baby, per se, because he was the one who started this. Despite the fact that it was supposed to launch November of 2010, we automatically had delays after delays after delays, and as of right now, there's only been five issues released for the entire series. And in my opinion, it wasn't worth relaunching it. Uh, it's, in my opinion, it's been utter crap, and... Uh, I don't really want to get into a whole lot of details. If you really want to know my feelings, listen to Comic Cast episode 73, the episode where we review Batman the Dark Knight number four. I went through a very, very lengthy discussion about why exactly it is as bad as it is. But the, the there's a couple of factors that come into play with this. the relaunch is that, one, Paul Jenkins is going to be the co-writer on this. I'm not familiar with Paul Jenkins' work. I don't really know what he's done prior to working with this. And when I did a search for him, I really couldn't find a whole lot of information about him. The artist will still be David Finch, but he will also have uh, Jay Fabic, as well as a number of other artists helping out too. So essentially, this will become this will go from David Finch's book that's constantly delayed to David Finch's creative team, and be on time every month. So that's and there really ha there really hasn't been a lot of information other than they said that Bane is going to be up here as well as Arkham Asylum is going to have a pretty big influence and there will be new villains which is not a surprise with Batman and Robin I've said before that I was eagerly anticipating Bruce Wayne working with his son Damien as the dynamic duo since Bruce Wayne came back because 
I find that his relationship with his son would be ideally more interesting and different than his relationship with his adopted sons. I mean, I'm not saying that Tim, Jason, and Dick aren't her, his sons per se, but with Damien, it's automatically a different concept because Damien is not an orphan that Bruce Wayne found and picked up. He is the son that he never knew he had, and he's training him to become a good person. The thing is, though, is that Damien already was on the verge of becoming a better crime fighter with Dick Grayson, so there's a lot of groundwork for that relationship to build. Now, with Peter Tomasi's short three-issue run and the title, it was, wasn't was bad, but it was disappointing because there wasn't really any character moments besides Damien being bratty, and yet the sense that Peter Tomasi didn't really research the characters very much, or at least not Damien's character. With this one, with the description, it says that Batman and Robin are trying to adjust their partnership. I really hope that's not just a, a company blurb, and that's legitimately what the series is about, because that's what's the best part about comics, when they are character-driven and not story-driven. A lot of the, the, the DC comics of late, I would say since post-Infinite Crisis, were more or less story-driven and not so much character-driven, with a, with a few exceptions. And, I, and Batman and Robin, to me, is one that really begs to be character-driven, because it's a, it's an interesting relation uh, it's an interesting take on an iconic relationship. So I am looking forward to Batman and Robin, but with some trepidation, just because I really want to believe in uh, Peter Tomasi, who is a lauded writer for DC Comics, and I want him to uh, not so much write what I want to read, but write what I think would be the most engaging part of the title. Not just Batman and Robin fighting bad guys, but Batman and Robin working through the relationship while they are fighting bad guys. Now, Dark Knight. Dustin just said that there's going to be Bane and Arkham Asylum in this title. And we discussed earlier in the early issues of The Dark Knight, uh, Volume 1, I suppose, that this David Finch enjoys to uh, incorporate, to an extreme extent, several aspects of the different Batman media throughout his history. And we find that very, very intrusive. If this title is going to be more of the same, then it's... It's accentuating its worthlessness. I am happy that Paul Jenkins is co-writing because Paul Jenkins did a run on both Peter Parker Spider-Man and then Spectacular Spider-Man Volume 2, which he, he, that, that shot about as being uh, one of my favorite Spider-Man writers, honestly. So I think Paul Jenkins is a great writer, and I would love to see what he does for Batman. So whether this is mostly Finch or mostly Jenkins, I hope that Jenkins can save this drowning book because... Aside from the art, which, which I do enjoy, and even then, I think it's helped because of the coloring and inking by Scott Williams and um, insert colors here, I forgot his name. But I really don't have any hope in this book because it, with Bruce's back and you have Detective Comics and Batman, the need for this book is now gone. I think we said in a previous podcast where uh, Josh Bertoni had listed uh, all the DC titles and listed their worth, their worth their um their stock essentially and i said then that batman dark knight provided a good stock with batman just being batman around gotham city and doing what he does best now that the batman inc idea is taking a backseat the and the and coupled with the low quality of the series already this should not need to be rebooted this should not need to exist and i'm not looking forward to this at all well, let me tell you, I'm really pumped for Batgirl and Robin number one because, you know, Damien and Steph, they have such a great relationship and, and Damien, his humanity has really been unlocked and he's less of a brat as, oh, what? this is Batman and Robin number one. Never mind. Yeah. Going, going back to what Dustin said about, you know, Damien being kind of that annoying kid, I, I too have that concern because 
from my experience of him in Batgirl, he really grew to a tolerable human being to be sure and really learned a lot and I think that was probably true also in the Batman and Robin title volume one so I wonder how much we're going to rewind it and what sort of characterization we're going to start off with and if you know the idea of Supergirl is I know this is not a Superman podcast but if the you know the thought of going back to Supergirl and her being teeny and angsty is any kind of indication I'm a little concerned I actually wonder about the choice of Damien as the Robin I guess if I were to choose anyone, it may be Tim, but, you know, I can understand that we're going to kind of keep with the present that we have now, but just rewind it a little bit. And I, like Donovan said as well, am interested in the father-son dynamics uh, because it was more of a brother-brother relationship. And that that's something with, with Dick and Damien. And that was something we had seen before with Dick and Tim. So this will be interesting. You know, Papa's back. What's, what's this going to be like? As for The Dark Knight, boy, you guys were giving it raving reviews. I do have to say that one of the things that really tires me out about Marvel is having multiple titles for one character. And I think that I mean, I can understand, you know, it is Batman, so let's try to rake in as much as possible. But I think maybe there's there's such a thing as too much. So, you know, if this was not doing well in the beginning, then perhaps drop it or use this for another character that um, cough, cough, spoiler or something like that, or Cassandra Cain. Uh, you know, use that instead of having another Batman book. So those are my thoughts. I haven't read a lot of what Peter Tomasi and Jason have done, I must admit. So I'm a bit into the, in the dark as to what they do. I think it's a good move bringing Damien and Bruce together. I think that could be really exciting. And I've kind of wanted them to work as Batman and Robin together. And I think a lot of fans have as well. You know, the thought when you were talking about it was the one where... Damien's just being a complete brat and then Bruce just screams at him, you will obey your sensei. I don't want it to be like that all the time, but I think that could be interesting dynamic rather than the very kind of powerly 60s kind of thumping each other on the arm that Dick and Damien have got at the moment. I don't entirely buy it, so I'm very, very excited about that. As for The Dark Knight... It's pants. It always has been pants. It will still be pants. It's just going to be pants. <laughs> Batman and Robin. I remember saying on the podcast how much I disliked the team of Tomasi and Gleason. Like John, I haven't read anything else they've done, but I really disliked their run in Batman and Robin when they did it before. Mostly because of the way Tomasi wrote Damien as that brat character who we all got really bored of and none, nobody liked and it was that evolution that made people like him when he turned into this new character who was you know who was willing to work with with Dick and even though he he might still be a bit arrogant and condescending he, he was a much more likable character and I'm very worried about going back to the time where he isn't and as we saw in uh, Batman The Return by Grant Morrison him, uh, Damien and Bruce do not work well together. So it's one of those things where if things are getting revamped, then that's one of the things I'm going to be nervous about. If Because I either it's being completely revamped and 
Damien's going to go back to being not a nice kid, a bit of a brat, or him and Bruce aren't going to be able to work well together. And the whole series is just going to be them bickering all the way through, which is going to get really tedious. Also, I'm not that keen on Gleason's work because while some of it I think is amazing, you get some panels where I just, I don't understand it. And it just, the consistency is really off for me. As for The Dark Knight, we've said before, it's it, it kind of seems like this title is here because they had to give David Finch something to do. I think Dustin said that it might have been to get him to sign with DC. He might have asked to do this title and, you know, it does show because his, his writing isn't that great and he does draw on so many things from Batman's media history, like the films especially. But I think what Finch is trying to do is he's trying to create a very stylized Batman and his the way he draws the characters and the way he writes them, I think he's trying to do something a bit different and I appreciate that but I don't think it deserves a whole new series perhaps a mini series I'd be interested especially now with a competent writer hopefully I mean I haven't read any of his work but that's one that I think I'll I'll go for an arc and then if I'm not enjoying it I'll I'll drop because I don't really see the need for it but if it comes across well it might work the dark knight I've reviewed the four issues and it's a really uneven book. I don't understand why they're bringing it back. It, to me, it hasn't told a story that's worth having its own title. I don't know if that's going to change in the next issue. I can't imagine it changing in the next issue. But it's been uneven, and it's been the worst delayed book ever. I mean, almost a year after it was the first issue was supposed to be out, we're still only at issue four. That's, I mean, that's unacceptable. As far as Batman and Robin goes, I'm not excited for the writing by Peter Tomasi because, like Joe said, I didn't like what he did with Damien in his arc with the White Knight, but I am really excited about Patrick Leeson's art because I think if anything did save that arc, it was Patrick Leeson and his rendering of the White Knight and the glowing paint and everything about that arc I thought was really well rendered artistically but I don't think it was written properly. Peter Tomasi was great on Nightwing, but I don't think that he's going to have a good handle for Batman and Robin. With the father-son aspect, I'm nervous about it only because Bruce has explicitly said, we will never work together on a day-to-day basis as Batman and Robin. He said that to Damien. And for them to kind of pretend that doesn't exist, or maybe that's something that they'll address when they talk about adjusting to the new partnership for them to kind of do that after having that having been said in comics. I think that's kind of a weird move to make. I'm going to pick it up, but it's one that I'm more than a little nervous about. Ever since Batman and Robin debuted, I felt like it was extraneous to have a Batman title and a Batman and Robin title. Because if Robin was going to do stuff with Batman, he would do it in Batman's main, you know, main book. So that plus the Batman, the Dark Knight, I don't know, pretty fluff that that they have. Because I mean, the 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 book looks beautiful. I mean, the the titles, the the covers look great. Although I'm not sure if Two Face is on steroids now or or what is up with that issue number two cover. But I feel like there's so many Batman titles, and yeah, I love Batman, but what all are you going to do with them? And so. 
I'm not really sure what to expect here. I would really like to enjoy a growing relationship between Bruce and Damien. You know, when Superman and Batman team up, they play good cop, bad cop sometimes. And now Batman's with Damien and we're being told they're cut from, you know, two totally different types of cloth. And now it's like Batman's the good cop and Damien's the bad cop. So it's kind of, kind of, kind of an interesting dynamic. I don't know. I would like to see good things from that title. David Finch's art has always impressed me and I've heard horrible things about his writing. So I will read the new Batman the Dark Knight. And we will see if it is, in fact, pants. One thing that's interesting to note is, you know, a lot of, we've talked a lot about Peter Tomasi's actual characterizations of Damien. One of the things that's interesting is that one of the very last issue of Nightwing showed what we possibly could be seeing in Batman and Robin when it comes to the non-Batman and Robin aspects, more of the father-son relationship, because we had this very odd issue where, oh yeah, you know, we had Tim Drake and Dick Grayson and Damian Wayne all sitting down watching TV. And it was the most awkward few pages of a comic that I think we've read, we read in a very long time because it made no sense. And Bruce comes in with the ice cream, like literally. Yeah. It, it made, it made very little sense. And I, I really hope that's not what we can expect from Batman and Robin. But he did that again in Batman and Robin, didn't he? Almost exactly yes, he the did. same. Yes, he did. All right, next up, let's talk about the females of the Bat Books. Uh, th- we do get a couple more females. Um, Batgirl changes from Stephanie Brown to Barbara Gordon. We don't know a lot about the series other than there's a character called The Mirror, who appears to be a flasher. We And the artist will be Adrian Seif and Vincent Seifuentes with Gail Simone writing. Birds of Prey has a completely different roster other than Black Canary and will be written by Dwayne Swarwinski and art by Jesus Saiz. Catwoman will be written by Judd Winnick and art by Gilliam March and we assume it'll be just like Gotham City Sirens other than without the Sirens and just Catwoman. And Batwoman will finally be making her debut with J.H. Williams and Hayden Blackman doing the writing and art by J.H. Williams and Amy Reader. So, tons of females. We don't know a lot about the Birds of Prey. Poison Ivy and Katana are on there, and then there's somebody else on the on the cover of number one, but we don't know a whole lot about the series other than it is supposed to be a covert team, which I guess was the initial intention for the Outsiders when Bruce went away or was dead, and that only lasted a couple issues. So, it'd be interesting to see Birds of Prey actually as a covert team and not, you know, just a bunch of females talking about their relationship problems which is what we've come to see from uh, which is what we've come to see from Gail Simone and her her run on Birds of Prey. All right, so let's talk about these series. Only back off for last. Um <laughs> as it deserves. Batwoman. I am excited for this title. I've heard nothing but great things from the Greg Rucka, JH Williams their third run on Detective Comics. Although I haven't read it yet, that's definitely on my to-read list. And really, I didn't, I didn't read it just because it was, it was more of expenses. But I did read the Zero issue that was supposed to preview the number one that never came out, as it always has. And I, for one, a one-shot issue that like basically caught people up with the character of Kate Kane, I really, really enjoyed it. I really liked it. I like, from all I've heard about the character, she's different and she's new. And she doesn't feel as though she doesn't have a place in the... 
the DC universe. She feels unique enough to be in the Bat family while still being her own character. So I am very much excited. This doesn't seem like a very... I don't want to come off as insulting DC Comics continuously, but this doesn't seem like a very... Uh, this doesn't seem like it's existing just to exist. This feels as though this has a story to tell, has a great story to tell, and this is one of those titles that I'm going to be very much interested in, in reading on the ground floor. The concept of the everyone starts over with fifty or with new number ones, while it's irrelevant for a lot of them, in some cases they really this really does work. And for Batwoman, which <laughs> it killed my Cassandra Kane series because of this, even still I am enjoying. Uh, or I am uh, excited to read this and pick this up. Catwoman, when we were at San Diego Comic-Con for the Bat panel, Judd Winnick was going on and on about how great the Catwoman title would be, mainly because it was action-y and sexy and sexy and sexy. And you, you can you, you were free to uh, watch that panel online. But um, really, I, first of all, I, I, I really do like Gilliam March as an artist. I enjoy his art. I like that bombastic sort of broad big and tall kind of characters he does and I think he's a great storyteller. Judd Winnick, frankly, I am tired of seeing. He is not a bad writer, but I think ever since the Under the Hood story back in 05, he's sort of become this superstar that, I, in my opinion, doesn't really deserve it. I mean, I, I, I read a couple issues of this Outsiders run, but his his other stuff like the Red Hood miniseries, I hated. Um... The bat, his three-part Batman and Robin story, I hated because it was a lie. And honestly, late within the past year, I find that his stories don't really are are really kind of pointless. He's again, he's not a bad writer, but he's hyping up a lot of stuff that that basically fizzle at the end. There's no real forward momentum going. It was just fluff. It was just a story, and I don't feel as though he's really earned his place in relaunching this new DC universe. Yes, he's a popular writer, but what exactly is the quality output that he's giving? And with Catwoman as a character, he might do well, but Catwoman is a, is a character who needs to have a certain style, and, she, and, and if she says this, this big cheesecake book, it's going to suck. Birds of Prey has nothing but disappointed me since I started reading the Volume 2 title. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a tissue, Stella. Um, and... One of the biggest factors that I don't like about it is the fact that Poison Ivy is on this team because I've said it before, Poison Ivy's not a good guy. Poison Ivy's a bad guy. And if she, if she turns a, if she turns a good guy for this team amongst people like Black Canary, who is a Justice League member, I honestly think that's very hypocritical. If, if this highlights that the birds are going to become a lot more antagonistic, I think that's a lousy idea, but we'll see how it goes. I'm just not excited for it at all. And the fact that Barbara is not in it really, I honestly texted to Dustin saying, do we have to read Words of Prey? And he was like, yes. And I was like, why? He says, because. So we're reading it. So we'll see how it is, but I'm not excited for it at all. And then we go into everyone's favorite topic of this relaunch, at least where the bad folks are concerned, Batgirl. This is still the, <laughs> this is still the, the, the salt in the wound that is the DC relaunch for me. I am not interested in reading the title. Honestly, I hate looking at the cover because it's insulting to me. And I say that with Stella right next to us because she loves Barbara Gordon, and I love Barbara Gordon too. I just find that this idea is just totally, totally ab- abrasive and just flies in the face of everything that DC has tried to sell us on for the last 20 years. Now, 
their 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 mind their mindset is that they are bringing forth to new readers the iconic interpretation of Batgirl. And I will admit that, much like in my opinion, Dick Grayson may not be the best, but he is the most iconic Robin. Barbara Gordon probably is the most iconic Batgirl. The thing is, though, is that this this series needs to be the best series in all the lots. It really does because. If it's even less than good, if it's halfway mediocre, it's going to completely be, it's going to be completely irrelevant and totally not worth its existence. It's going to be a basic crime fighter book from what I've read. And coupled with the fact that Gail Simone, who was a writer I genuinely want to love, but I haven't within the past year, I just don't have any high expectations for this book. And I will, it's, it's the book I'm going to keep my eye on the most. So those are my thoughts for the females of the Bat Universe. Oh, okay. I'm going to start with things that I probably won't pick up and then go for the obvious ones I will. So Catwoman, she's sexy. She's going to do sexy things. She's going to steal sexy things. She's just sexy. That's what we learned about her at San Diego Comic-Con. As for, you know, what this book is going to be like, besides being really sexy, I'm not really sure. I wonder if she... She's addicted to shiny objects. I just wonder, you know, on the, the line that... She has been, I guess, straddling, you know, between good guy and bad guy. Are we still going to be straddling that line or is she going to be over on the bad guy line? I also want to know if Shipper, if she and Batman are going to have some sort of interaction in this book or he's just not going to be involved at all. Batwoman, wow, we've been told that she's going to get a series for a very long time now. So I'm happy that she finally is going to get a series. And who better to write it than Williams? So hopefully, I mean, the character certainly deserves a great book, and I hope that she gets it. Let me read you something really quickly, and then I'll tell you a story, and then I'll continue on. (laughs) One is... (laughs) One is wanted for a murder she didn't commit. The other is on the run because she knows too much. They are Dinah, Laurel Lance, and Ev Crawford, a.k.a. Black Canary and Starling. And together as Gotham City's covert ops team, they're taking down the villains other heroes can't touch. But now they've attracted the attention of a grizzled newspaper reporter who wants to expose them. As well as a creepy chameleon-like strike term that's team that's out to kill them. So I guess the new person is Starling, so just a completely new team. Now the story I have to say is a sad story about a young girl who really liked Immortal Iron Fist. And Immortal Iron Fist was written by Ed Brubaker and Matt Fraction. Then come issue 17, Dwayne Swierzynski comes on the book. Boy, did that take a dive, and this girl was very heartbroken. Now, if that is any indication, let me assure you that, yes, I am very concerned as to how this book will be. Having Poison Ivy on the team, apparently they want this to be like Gotham City Sirens meets Birds of Prey. I'm really upset that, well, I don't, I guess we can't really know if Barbara's going to have a relationship with Dinah, but that was always one of my favorite comic relationships because it really grew from the first volume of Birds of Prey, and they were really, they had good chemistry, not in the shipper sense, because I know there are shippers out there for this pair, but just like really sisterly bond, and, and they really trusted each other, kind of the first person that each of them went to. So it's, it's a little distressing to see that, you know, those people aren't on the team. I, unlike 
Donovan am my own boss. So if I don't like this, I don't necessarily have to review it for Batgirl to Oracle. But I am going to pick it up bec mainly because the only reason is because of Black Canary. And I'll probably also pick up the Huntress miniseries, which I assume we won't be talking about because it's Huntress. So at least to support um, the Birds of Prey. And apparently it is supposed to actually interact with each other. So I guess that'll work out. So I have really low expectations for that book. And then we have Batgirl. Oh, dear. You know, I'll save, I guess, my big rant for when we actually talk about the character and the changes she made. <sighs> okay, let me just start off with saying that we had a really good thing going with the Batgirl that has since ended with number 24. So that is probably the main reason why my heart is broken a little bit. The second reason is because all the writers that have jobs slash the artists that now have jobs as writers on 52, none of them were Brian Q. Miller, who absolutely deserved a position there. So that makes me upset as well. Okay, I don't know where to start to be honest with this. Gail Simone has been touch and go for me. First volume of Birds of Prey was solid. I think, I mean, obviously with every writer's run, there, there are some low points and everything. But this second volume, I don't really know exactly what has happened. And especially with the Death of Oracle arc and then going into that weird junior arc, it was very strange. And just the low point of her writing. And I know that she can write really great stories, which is the only reason why I was really hard on those books. But then I just read issue 13 of Birds of Prey, and it was by someone completely different. And that was really, that story was the epitome of what Birds of Prey should be like. So I'm concerned with how this is going to go down. I know that she has a strong dedication to the character. I don't, you know, disregard that. I definitely know that. But I'm just really, I'm concerned. The other thing that concerns me, I guess concern is the word of the day, uh, the artists. I don't know if it's Simone or just artists in general, but Birds of Prey was having a tough time getting one particular artist to stick on that book. And I like consistency. I don't like things changing uh, mid-issue or from issue to issue, so I'd really like to see that. And, yeah, I, I guess I don't want to go too much into the character. Well, I'll just say that. So those are the those are my thoughts there. So I'll definitely be picking up Batgirl and Birds of Prey. Low expectations for Birds of Prey. And Batgirl, I'm heart sick, but I'm still going to pick it up, and I'm hoping for a good story. Catwoman, I'm going to start with that. Obviously, Stella's pretty much summed up what it's about <laughs> pretty well. Clearly when she jumps out of a window, most of her underwear seems to jump out with her as well, which I think she really needs to sort out. I seem to remember that the last time they tried a Catwoman miniseries, it flopped really badly, and I can't see it doing anything but the same, to be honest. No matter how much I love Judd Winnick, I just don't think it's going to be very good. Batwoman, I actually physically forgot that this was actually ever coming out I seem to believe in my own personal opinion that if it does actually come out it will create a little black hole and will just suck the earth in it's, we've been waiting for what a year now for this to come out um, uh, oh god no you, you, you could actually bring back was it 2006 since the first time they said they were going to come out <laughs> mm -hmm. oh god so 
in fact, we've been waiting five years for it. So if it really does come out, it will create its own little black hole and suck the Earth inside. It's going to create some kind of paradox. I'm sure... I, I hope to God I'm wrong about it, but I just... I've just lost so much interest. Birds of Prey, never read. I don't think I'm going to be picking it up. My fear is with a novelist, it's going to be far too wordy, far too descriptive, and I just don't think it's going to work. I unfortunately think that Batgirl will be a massive hit. Gail Simone seems to be really popular. Now, I don't know whether that's because it's 13-year-old boys who enjoy sexual innuendo in their comics and nearly half-naked women, or whether it's just Gail Simone going out and buying as many copies of her own comics as she can <laughs> because she wants a job. I don't know. But <laughs> I think... I, I genuinely do think it's going to sell very well. I don't think it'll be any good, but it'll sell very well. As for the character, like Stella, I will save that a little bit later. That's my brief. Birds of Prey is one that I'm actually kind of looking forward to. I think it might be very interesting if it's written the right way. And I like Haizu Say's his work on the junior storyline was quite good. I, I enjoyed it. And I think that one, the inclusion of Poison Ivy is a bit odd. But I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. I think it could have an interesting angle which might work although i wouldn't really count it as a bat book but i guess we're covering it anyway (laughs) (laughs) catwoman it's that is just ridiculous it seems like a joke and i think jod winnick isn't taking it too seriously and whilst i haven't really liked the work he's done i haven't read that much of it but i i listened to the dc panels from their podcast and he seems like quite a fun guy from the way he was talking about it so if you read this with the right mind it might come across okay and I think it it could be a bit of fun but I think the whole thing is a bit ridiculous I can't see it lasting very long and like John said it's you know when she's jumping out the window the sneak preview we've got was kind of a sneak preview of her as well and I don't quite know what to expect. I'm not that keen on Gillian March's art, but I can see why he was chosen for this, because he does accentuate the feminine form to um, a ridiculous degree. And as for Batwoman, I'm obviously really looking forward to this. I've been waiting for it to come out ever since we um, started seeing previews and stuff for it. Ever since I was aware of the series, I've been looking forward to it. In the preview for it we do see a shot of bruce wayne and he's wearing his batman incorporated uniform which shows how delayed this is i'm not sure if that will be changed or if it's gonna stay in there and it'll be a flashback or something like that but from the preview art it looks amazing it's definitely going to be the best looking of the bat books and i'm looking forward to seeing what jh williams can do i hope i i, I believe he has got a co-writer at least for the first arc so hopefully He's going to get a hang of how to do it and do it well. And I'm also looking forward to seeing Amy readers. And I, I love especially when the art coincides and goes together. I think that looks really good. And as for Batgirl, I, I think I'm more upset that it's Gail Simone writing than I am that it's Barbara Gordon. <laughs> but I'm, 
I mean, Gail Simone is definitely a fan favourite because everywhere I go, I hear how brilliant she is. And it seems just our podcast and even our forums are the people who don't seem to like her. So I'm not sure if we're just, if we're like the minority or if it's, because I know I haven't been reading Secret Six and apparently that's some of her best work. Uh, I have been reading that, and I would not agree with that statement either. <laughs> if you actually read the reviews on the on the front page of Secret Six, they are not getting good reviews. Oh, okay. Well, then I don't know where these fans are coming from, because I just hear them on other podcasts and lots of things like that about how amazing she is, and she I, she just doesn't do it for me. Her whole book is a giant, that's what she said, but it's not funny. Gail Simone just writing her own internet reviews. That's what it is. Oh, dear. Also, that's what she says are always funny. That's what she said. See? I would agree, but not when Gail Simone does it. (laughs) So, with Catwoman, I would pick this up only because I love Judd Winnick's dialogue. I think that he does it really well. He does a good that's what she said. That being said, mm. this book looks really sexy. Like Stella said, very, very sexy. That kind of deters me from wanting to pick it up. Gillian March, he does draw a great female form, but if that's honestly all the book is going to be is, you know, innuendo and Catwoman in a skin-tight suit, not really that interesting to me. Batwoman is a character that I'm not very familiar with. I didn't pick up her run on Detective Comics. But with, it seems to me that J.H. Williams has a lot of affection for the character. Uh, He really likes her. He's been willing to stick with her through all of the delays and everything like that. I think that shows a writer that's really dedicated to a character, and that does make me want to pick it up. As far as Birds of Prey goes, I probably won't, because the only reason I was reading it before was for Oracle. So I don't know a whole lot about the writer or the artist, but... It seems to me that this is just a way for them to introduce some new characters, almost an interchangeable lineup. It's It, it doesn't look good. <laughs> Batgirl by Gail Simone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My biggest issue is with who wears the cowl, so I don't have a lot to say about it. But Gail Simone, her writing got very lazy in Birds of Prey in the last few issues, and I worry that that's going to happen with this. I am not looking forward to Batgirl, because I thought Brian Q. Miller was doing a great job, and I don't understand why they would remove him from a book that was that he was doing so well on and that fans were responding to so well. Um, <clears throat> Birds of Prey, I really don't have a whole lot invested in that. There, There's not a character on this team that I really know a whole lot about other than Black Canary and Poison Ivy, but I don't really... They're not characters that I go after and say, oh, I want to read their stories. It seems to me that, that a Birds of Prey without Oracle is like a Batman and Robin that co-features, like, you know, Captain Adam or something, instead of Robin. So I don't really know how this is Birds of Prey still, except that, you know, it's chicks. Catwoman... They were saying sexy, sexy, sexy. They were also saying violent, violent. We see that in the comics covers, because in the first cover, she's saying, take me now. In the second cover, Batman's taking her up on the offer. Ooh. And in the third cover, you know, she's bashing people's heads in with a baseball bat. 
So there's there's definitely some blood in your Catwoman comic there. I don't know if that's necessarily a story that I want to read about. One thing that did say about it that kind of struck my attention was that it's going to be a crime story from the other perspective. Instead of cops solving crimes, it'll be her planning her crimes. That could be interesting. It, it, it really just depends on its execution and how, how it works. Batwoman is one of those that I'm excited about just from the hype. It's, it's, it's gotten a lot of... Um, the, the ideas I've heard being expressed there have, have made me excited. I want to see what she's going to be doing, but I don't really... It, it, we've been waiting for it for five years, so it, it really, really better be good. One of the benefits of it is that they have like a year's worth of issues already in the can. So of all the 52 titles, this is probably the last one you're going to see a delay on. And Batgirl, I I like that Barbara Gordon is Batgirl. And I don't know if Gail Simone has become... A joke? It's something like that. Her hype is bigger than she is. You know, there there are writers who do a really, really great job for a really large amount of time. So they build this reputation. And then their reputation keeps on going strong whenever they're not necessarily doing so. And I, whenever I hear about how she's been doing so poorly on her latest, you know, work... I wonder if she found out about this reboot sometime before most of the rest of the writers did and just stopped caring about the comics she was writing. I will tell you, when I was in San Diego, I did not get a single grain of excitement from that woman about the work she was going to be doing. So I I, I want the book to be good. I want to like it. I like Babs. I, I want to see how she got out of the chair, why she's Batgirl again. I want there to be some story told behind her decision to be Batgirl. Because it's often been said, just because she can stand up and walking, it doesn't mean she has to go put on a bat suit. She did this for a Halloween costume ball. And it just stuck for But she's had a whole lot more of her life not doing that. So why is she Batgirl again? I would really like to read that story. Will we get to read that story or will we just jump right into the hijinks? I don't know. So we'll see how it goes. I can answer that question real quick. It is going to just jump in the hijinks because DC has said that the the changes that will occur are going to be explained over time and not necessarily just right away in issue one, which I think for Batgirl is a real disadvantage because it's such a big change from August she's in a wheelchair to September she's flying around the, the or swinging around the streets of Gotham City. I think that's too big of a change for it to just disappear completely. I don't mind if we see it in, in in flashbacks. That could be, you know, something that that works out. I just don't want them to ignore the the question. You know, there's this giant elephant in the room. Why is she Batgirl again? I'd I'd just like to read that at some point. One thing, real quick, about Catwoman is that, like, if it's like John described the covers as just sex and violence, that was one of the defining aspects of the Dark Age, which in the early '90s of comic books, where you had like characters like Lady Death and She and Purgatory. And Gen 13, and all these like bad girl, like Vampirella, like these kind of like really violent and sexy, minimalist with storytelling type of comics, which people look at and point at and laugh as an aspect of the 90s, which sucked. So if they're bringing that back for a DC relaunch, yeah, thanks a lot, Jet Winnie. All right, so then moving into the next set of books, which would be the male allies of Batman. Now, Dick Grayson goes back to being Nightwing in the actual series Nightwing, which will be written by Kyle Higgins, art by Eddie Barrows. Jason Todd will continue his reign as the Red Hood, 
with Red Hood and the Outlaws, which will be written by Scott Lobdell and art by Kenneth Rockefort. And then Batwing, which kind of is a character that derived, well, not kind of, it is a character that derived from Batman Incorporated as the African Batman, and that will be written also by Judd Winnick with art by Ben Oliver. My thoughts on these issues, again, I wanted explained exactly why Dick Grayson goes back to being Nightwing, because it made, as much as I didn't want to have two Batman, and it to me at the time, you know, it, it just didn't work for me. Everything that happened with Batman Incorporated and the justification for Bruce to say, hey, no, you still be Batman. Don't, you know, you don't have to change anything. I've got this other thing going on. No big deal. You know, I really want to see how it's going to completely change from one month to the next month where we have, oh, well, I'm Batman this month and suddenly the next month I'm Nightwing. I want it to be explained and my concern is with, again, with Batgirl is how long is it actually going to take for it to be explained of why this happened? Is it going to just, just completely be ignored or is it actually going to have an explanation? And if it does have an explanation, how long are we going to have to wait before it? Jason Todd, I think Jason Todd has, in some people's minds, become a lot more popular over the last couple of years. Specifically, I think because he's also had you know, actual media appearances as well with Under the Red Hood, the movie, as well as a kind of a resurgence of stories in the comics specifically brought to us by Judd Winnick. I'm quite surprised that Judd Winnick's not writing the series, but Judd Winnick did say that he's written everything he wants to write with Jason Todd, which I'm sure will be completely invalid come a year from now. I see this book as the kind of the new outsiders. I'm not really looking forward to it because... I don't really care about Starfire that much. Um, it, it could be interesting if Starfire ends up having, like, if we end, if the character has any kind of, if the history that she's had with Dick Grayson is hinted at it whatsoever while Jason Todd is kind of leading this team. With Batwing, I think this is just an opportunity for DC to have another African American in a, in a title, you know, as the title character for a series, which, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense since the focus on Batman Incorporated isn't even going to be as great as it has been in the last couple months. So that's that's my thoughts. Batwing is another one of the unfortunately few titles that I am very much looking forward to because I like Dick Grayson as Nightwing. I grew up with Dick Grayson. Well, I grew up reading Dick Grayson as Nightwing, and he's just. I'm not going to discharge anything from his time being Batman because I did think that it was a little bit of an it was a little, a little bit of a Silver Age idea to bring him back as Batman and have his Batman Bruce Wayne's son be Robin, but it worked it worked out very well when it was done right. Like Scott Snyder and Judd Winnick did it pretty well. I um, so I'm looking forward to him. I don't mind the new costume. I mean, it's still pretty minimal and stylistic. I mean, I I, I miss the blue, but yeah, whatever. So I'm looking forward to Nightwing. I love Eddie Barrows as an, as an artist. And Kyle Higgins has been doing a good job on Gates of Gotham, so that, along with Batman, is one of my most anticipated titles. Red Hood of the Outlaws, I have, I don't have a great opinion on, but I don't hate either. I don't think that Jason Todd has really proved his his medal in remaining in the DC Universe because he's basically just this renegade character that does nothing more than, than shoot bad guys. I mean, that's not an original idea. That's not a very unique idea, and I don't think that idea has been done as well as it could possibly have, if, if at all. 
the Red Hood miniseries theme tried to justify his his existence, and I don't, and I personally don't think it did. Uh, him teaming up with Roy Harper and Starfire is a good idea because those are characters that are sort of like not in a way some some ways broken and damaged, and in other ways just those are characters that have served on the on the side of the angels, and now they are not. So I think it's an interesting idea to bring these characters from different titles together. And they all have relationships with Dick Grayson, which is interesting. Although I do question why Starfire is there, because she's she's not as far gone as Jason and Roy are. With Batwing, I've kind of gone back and forth over this. And I remember I went in-depth talking about it, both on the previous Batman Universe special and Batgirl Oracle. And I've kind of been going back and forth on this. I think that if you were going to have Minority Batman, essentially... Then I think it should be an anthology book with the Batman Incorporated characters because having just him when he's had only one appearance in Batman Inc. and it wasn't even really spotlight appearances. I mean, honestly, El Gacho should have more of a he is worth more of a title than Batwing is based on what we've seen of him. So I think I'm I'm not I'm not downgrading the idea of diversifying the DC universe at all. But I think that they are picking and choosing which character they wanted to do, and they just did Batwing because blackness and, a- and African characters are more recognizably mi- minorities than other Caucasian skin characters that are not specifically American. So I think it's a sort of a it's a good it's it has it has good intentions, but I do think that it's a little bit short sighted, and I'm not excited for Jed Renegrain the title. I'm not nearly as bad on it as I was in the past, but I'm not excited to read about it because it doesn't seem like it's a very interesting story to tell. Nightwing. I, I am excited about this. It, it's great to see him back into the costume, though I wonder if, you know, he feels bad about it. I mean, it's kind of a downgrade, isn't it, going from Batman to Nightwing? But I, I think this is definitely where he belongs, so I'm looking forward to some shipperific storytelling, hopefully, between him and Babs. <laughs> We can all look forward to that, can't we? Kyle Higgins, I trust him, so I think it'll be good. And apparently, if you don't know much about Nightwing, it'll be okay because we're going to re-explore his origin. Because that's and never been done before. It hasn't, I don't think. And there was something uh. else that's been to say. <laughs> Okay, moving on to the next one. You know, I was probably one of the only people that actually collected Countdown from start to finish. So in collecting that, I actually became close to the Jason Todd character. So I'm not going to pick this book up, but I think there is a lot to do with this character. As for whether or not he'd be a good member on a team, I think that's debatable. It's good to see that Roy has his arm back. How that happened, I have no idea. And Starfire. I don't know. She just seems out of place for some reason. I guess I'm just really used to her being on Titans. Uh, But I agree with Dustin. This just looks like in Outsider's book, which is, I have actually mistakenly called it that to begin with. I don't, it'll be interesting. Batwing. Well, it's good to see that Miles Morales is in Marvel (laughs) as well as DC. No, you didn't. Um, you know, wow. on at the panel at San Diego Comic-Con, I remember them being very specific and saying that his origin would be very violent and very dark. And sexy. And, oh, I don't know if there was sexy. <laughs> Some guy's throat was slashed. The, like, first panel that they showed was very violent, and it wasn't even colored. But, you know, I questioned DC 
always wanting to go to the dark side of things all the time. You know, we have a bubbly character. Let's make her be dark. We don't like bubbles. So this, again, I mean, why can't this character, if he's going to be so unique and everything, why can't he have his own origin? Why does it always have to be really dark and Debbie Downer all the time? So of these three, I'm going to be picking up Nightwing. Nightwing? I'm really, really excited that this is coming back. And I think Carl Higgins will do an amazing job on it. I'm a massive Nightwing fan. I've picked up as many of the, the books as I can. And I think it'll be interesting how they deal with the character going from Batman back to being Nightwing and what effects and ramifications that's going to have on him. So I'm really, really excited about that issue I, I definitely think I'm going to make an effort to pick it up the outlaws I won't be picking this up to me Jason Todd was interesting for a while he's now become DC's version of the Punisher the Punisher doesn't work and Jason Todd doesn't work it's I think it's just going to be really really bad Roy Harper, I only assume they gave him his arm back because otherwise he'd be the worst archer in the entire world. <laughs> Just one arm. He'd have to put the bow on his foot and then pull it back or use his teeth or something. Also, people I, hated that storyline where he lost his arm. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's, that's probably why. I mean, he's had an interesting arc. He's been a drug addict. He's fallen out with Green Arrow. But I think give him his own story. It'd be much more interesting. Starfire, I don't really know a lot about. I know she had a bad falling out with Dick. I can only assume that's the reason that she's there, because they've all got relationships with him. So she's just annoyed at him. I don't know. Looks rubbish. Batwing, I think actually he's going to be quite good. I'd have preferred Night Runner. He's the main character, even though I hate Batman Inc., my views on that see the award show oh, yeah. i think it's <laughs> i like the idea that they're diversifying the line i i think it just makes it much more interesting and if he's tackling darker issues you know it could be something very different and it it keeps batman inc in the batman universe as well because there was a risk of it becoming a bit strange so if they're bringing in characters from that it ties it all together and it makes it a lot of a, a nice, neat bundle. So I think Batwing and The Outlaws, I'm probably going to shred. Red Hood and The Outlaws is another of those books that I think, if it's done well enough, it will be good because I'm interested by the idea. I mean, Jason Todd, the fans voted him dead, so I think he shouldn't really be around now. He should have stayed dead. But now that he is here, I think he's going to be written less of that sort of uh, you let the Joker kill me and then you never got him back, I hate you it shouldn't be done like this, let's be, all be violent if it's not done that way and it's done a bit more lighthearted, I think the character is going to have something going for him um, I don't have any experience with the other two characters, but I think that's one that's another one of those ones that I'll be looking for the first arc and then I mean, obviously, I have to review it, but it's one of those ones that I'll regret that I have to read. Nightwing. Universe. <laughs> Nightwing, I'm looking forward to. I haven't been impressed with Gates of Gotham, 
no matter how much I want to like it, I just can't get into it. I'm not sure if that's the story. I hope it is, and not Carl Higgins' writing, because I, th- I have read some of his stuff before, and I have enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to that. And the only thing I th- I think what they've been trying to do recently is trying to play down Dick as Batman. They're trying to make him seem like he's less comfortable in the role, is the impression I've been getting from the comics at the moment. And although it feels a bit forced, it will at least make the transition easier when we get to the relaunch. And then Batwing's the one I'm a bit worried about. The art looks amazing. Um, it looks almost like a photograph, I think. So I'm looking forward to that. The only thing is, and I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way, I hope they haven't chosen, I hope they haven't chosen Batwing as a token character. Because like Don said, he's, he's, <laughs> they have. <laughs> he's, obviously, he's, like Don said, he's African, so it's the most recognizable as an ethnic diversity. And while I appreciate DC, you know, branching out and trying to show that they have diversity in the things. I'd, I'd rather, I, I don't care that even if all the characters were white or all of them were Asian, all of them were black, or all of them were men, all of them were women, I wouldn't mind as long as they're good stories. I don't want to read something to be, I, I don't want something to exist just to fill a, fill a hole or fill a void. I want it to be a good story. So as long as this is a good story and they've chosen it because Batwing will have the greatest stories and I'll enjoy it and it will be a good but if they've chosen it simply because he's he's African we can gain some popularity in the market here let's do that then it's it's not going to come across very well For Redhead and the Outlaws, like Dustin said I'm really surprised that Judd Winnick was not writing this one because it seems to me that Whenever Jed Winnick gets the opportunity to write a Jason Todd story, he gets bright, shiny stars and hearts in his eyes. Like, he has been the Jason Todd writer for the last five or six years. That being said, I am looking forward to Red Hood and the Outlaws because I really like Roy Harper. I'm happy that he's in his own book. Well, team book, but I'm, I'm happy that he's getting a chance to, to be in a book. I want to see what they're going to do with Jason Todd and, like, like was said earlier, if they're able to do it a little more lighthearted rather than, ah, oh, you didn't avenge me, like if they can move past that, if he can move past that, I think that's going to make for some really good stories because they're all, they're all very damaged characters. They've all had really rough pasts. And so I think that to have them working together, again, as more of an outsider's team, then they're going to be able to go places with that. With Nightwing, I'm sad to see Dick Grayson leave the cowl, actually. I think I think it's a good move, but I am sad to see it because Dick Grayson was the first Batman that I was really introduced to, rather than uh, Bruce Wayne. Not really sure why we need his origin story again. Not sure what else they can tell us about Haley's Circus that we don't already know. So that's going to be something that I'm probably going to be a little more critical of. And as far as Batwing goes, I... I do think, as bad as it is, I think they are bringing him in, A, as a token character, and B, as a way to keep Batman incorporated, at least not necessarily in the forefront of our minds, but at least in our minds, so that when it relaunches in January, we're not saying, wait, what? I completely forgot about that. So, um, and unfortunately, on that one, Judd Winnick can't even entice me into buying it. 
I think that Batwing is going to live and die on its character. That that story, okay, so it's it's a guy who's a minority. I don't even think that that really matters so much. He's in another setting. It's Africa. It's not, you know, metropolitan United States. Dealing with a completely different set of issues. And I think it really needs to be a character-driven story. I think it's a great gamble that they're taking that, you know, there are a lot of the books in this new 52 that are non-standard superhero genre. And I think that, you know, similarly, this is kind of a a gamble title. I hope it pays off. I would like to see, you know, the character succeed. Nightwing is Dick Grayson. He's, you know, possibly the most popular character in Batman's pantheon, maybe even more so than Bruce Wayne himself with a lot of people. And so I'm looking forward to the title. Uh, Like like Melinda, I don't know why we're going back to the Haley Circus. Made the crack earlier about not knowing anything about his history because that's what they said at San Diego, which, you know, the ears in my row immediately perked up. Um, and Red Hood and the Outlaws, I wasn't even going to buy back before the talk of me becoming part of the podcast was even going on. Whenever my daughter and I were sitting down to make our list of which of the 52 books we were going to buy, I was, I was, I had no interest in Red Hood and the Outlaws. And she said, I want to read that. So I said, okay. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to get a plot explanation of how Starfire's costume stays up. Um, <laughs> I th- good quip. The one, two, three on that, so they can figure out how to do it because it's 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 fighting gravity. I didn't know that was Starfire's power. It's unstable um, molecules. <laughs> yeah, unstable molecules. Yeah, I, you know, like I said before, I want it to be. I, it's one of those titles I would like to be interesting because I'm going to be reading it. I, I hope that it is because I don't want to throw it across the room. I just I, I don't have anything going into it. Well, hopefully, you know, the first story is going to be Starfire meets double-sided tape, because really, that's the only logical explanation. <laughs> you know, the the Batman branch of the DC books does pasties, you know, it's just one of those things. Oh, man. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you better be. <laughs> one 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 thing I have to mention is is it, it seems interesting that you know DC they've they've gone on record to say oh we want to have more diverse characters and Batwing is one of these characters that they're really pushing is oh it's more diverse but in my mind it seems as if they went in the route of having Night Runner would made more sense because Night Runner is Muslim how many Muslim heroes are out there I mean that was the appeal of Night Runner in the first place so why yeah, is it that exactly they, they they decided to go with Batwing, who really has had like one one appearance in Batman Incorporated, and Night Runner has actually appeared in not only Batman Incorporated, but also he appeared in the Batman and Detective Annuals. He recently appeared in an issue of Batman Robin, and I, I, I that to me doesn't make any sense. If if they really wanted to diversify, why would they get another African American, even if it or well not African American, but an African to be the person they could have really diversified it by having this you know french muslim superhero which yes. in my opinion is much more interesting than somebody who's dealing with genocide every every issues no it's just me exa- no no you're exactly right like i said that's what i said like like because you look at the guy and see that he's black that automatically means hey diversity if you have a character who is not only french but french and muslim and is a free runner that is a lot more Nuance in 2011 than having like it's it's like when they created John Stewart in the Green Lantern books back in the 70s. That was new for his time because there it was a fallout of the civil rights movement, 
and everything. And that was that, that was where America was at that point. Now, black characters, yeah, there's not as many as them as many of them compared to white characters. But at the same time, there are established black characters. And I, I say like El Gacho, Night Runner, Night and Squire. Um, who are the ones in, in like the last issue of Batman Inc.? Like 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 uh, Raven and the other guy. Oh yeah, oh, Man the, of Bats. Yeah, Man the of Bats, Raven ones. I mean, like that's what I mean. If you were to have an anthology Bat book it, it, and to have diversity that way, that would be way better. To have a solely focused on a character who who was in like like six panels at the end of a story, th- it it just shows that they're not getting it. They really aren't. Diversity is great, but don't do it when it's tertiary and just and just not think through it. I have to wonder if, because uh, we know that a lot, some of these 52 titles were just, they were the pitches that came in that sounded good, as far as, you know, some of the less standard characters, and I just wonder if that's one of the cases here, that the Batwing pitch came in and sounded good, and either there weren't pitches for the other characters, or they didn't sound good. I don't know. I think that hiding slightly from controversy, because when Night Runner started, there was a massive explosion of this is great, and then there were a heck of a lot of people going, well, no, it's not. I refer to a specific news network that is known for a slightly right-wing bias. And I I think they want to diversify, but they don't want the controversy. And I know that's a little bit cynical and makes me sound quite a horrible person, but I think that's generally why they did it and why Night Runner hasn't got one. I think that's it's possible. Also, I'm not sure how often they touch on religion, other than David Hine, of course, but how often they touch on religion in comics in general. So that might be a bit of a touchy subject, and you're definitely more likely to offend when talking about religion. I mean, obviously, listen, I don't have a, a problem with there being a Muslim hero, and you know, if they're not preaching, then that's fine. You know. And so you can have a Muslim character without that being like such a central part of their character. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's plenty of characters out there that, you know, just because a character's black doesn't mean, you know, they have to go to the disco every weekend. Shut your mouth. <laughs> if I saw that yeah, in this day and age. They're not having to go to, you know, recordings of Soul Train. This isn't the 70s. And that stuff did happen back then. But, I mean, it's not something that needs to happen in order to get the point of across of the hero. Well, that's the other thing. Like um, Don said, it's more recognizable as a diverse character seeing an African on a cover opposed to a French Muslim who you might not, especially uh, at a glance, recognize as a diverse character. Right. Especially since he's wearing a, a full face mask when you can't actually see his head. So I guess I guess that's one way. I think it's a shame, though, because I actually think Night Runner is a much more interesting character than Batwing. Mostly because I don't know anything about Batwing oh, I, other than I he's agree. from in Africa. I, I agree completely. I think all the characters that were focused on the comic books are better because, again, Batwing had like a six-panel thing. We don't know anything about him besides the fact that he exists. Everybody else, we know their characters and their origins and personalities. And he gets the title? I think maybe that was the idea was, well, we didn't really flesh this character out, so maybe we can do it in his own series. But if that's the case, then you should do a mini-series, not a full series, because I, I don't see this series lasting much longer, or very long, and I think that's going to end up affecting their long-run, you know, diversification over their titles if these titles that, ha- you know, that they specifically had characters that, you know, are different races... As the main, t- as the main character in the title, you know, those series aren't successful and they end up closing a shop on them. Well, then you're back to a bunch of, you know, plain white males superheroes and 
then what did you what did you accomplish exactly? You gave a couple months of adversity. Eh. All right. So then, moving into the next set of books, which those are really all the bad books, and those are all the bad books we will actually be covering on the podcast. Now, there's a ton of other series. The other series that have been announced that we will also cover on the podcast, but aren't coming out with the new Fifty Two, are there's a Huntress mini series written by Paul Levitz with art by Marcus Toe. There is a Penguin mini series that is written by Greg Hurwitz with art by Seisman Kardansky. Uh, we have Batman Beyond, which is not set to launch until 2012. We don't know anything about it other than Adam Beechin will be writing it. We don't know who the artist will be. We don't know anything except for the story arc or issue will be called 10,000 Clowns. And then Batman Incorporated, written by Grant Morrison and drawn by Chris Burnham, is also supposed to kick off in 2012. And the interesting thing about Batman Incorporated is that issue 8 comes out in August, and that's the last issue that's actually coming out, even though 9 and 10 were solicited. So DC has basically said, hey, we know there's a lot of time between issue or August and when and when Batman Incorporated is going to relaunch with the number one. So what we're doing is we're taking 9 and 10, we're going to combine them into a one-shot, and we're going to release them as a one-shot, kind of as a mid-range issue to release before Batman Incorporated relaunches. What's interesting about that is Batman Incorporated is supposed to launch in January or February, and at this point, November solicitations are already out, and there's no Batman Incorporated one-shot. So... That either has to happen in December, which really isn't filling the gap of months, or Batman Incorporated isn't happening in January and February like they initially said. So at this point, who knows what's happening. And it will make sense because the only reason I was going to get, what was it, number nine, was because Stephanie Brown was in it. <laughs> so that's trying great. to get your money, Stella. Just oh, they already have it, and then they have to mess. Yeah. <laughs> so then there's so those, those two series... Um, but we don't know a whole lot about them, so there's not a whole lot. I don't think that Batman Beyond, again, needed to be relaunched because it just kicked off in January. It has been consistent. It has been being released on time every single month since it started coming out. And according to DC, there's a lot of really good, you know, a lot of uh, good sales numbers for those, especially on the trade paperback side of things. Um, I don't think it needed to be renumbered, especially since. We're only on issue eight in August, and it's not coming out. So they could have just had, you know, put the title on hiatus and just kicked it off in a couple months in January or whatever with issue nine. It wouldn't have been that big of a deal. I don't know why that one needed to be renumbered because it's not part of the new fifty-two. Everything's um, Batman, getting in a number one. Yeah, Batman Incorporated again. I, I'm not real sure why that needed another number one, other than I guess Grant Morrison's claiming that this is the the last or second volume of his story or whatever. But the re- the weird thing about, oh, well, this is the second volume is that, you know, all these issues, issues one through ten, were all solicited at some point. And they kept getting delayed or for whatever reason. And I have to believe that, at least with the solicitation that came out for number ten, there's no way that that was the end of the volume. So, unless he's taking it in a different direction, I don't see how that's going to work. But that's, I, I digress with that. So those are the other four series we will cover when the those come around. Quick comments about those. Um, Huntress, I'm glad Marcus Toe is getting more work. I'm not looking forward to it because I don't like the Huntress. Penguin <laughs> is my least favorite Batman villain, so I'm looking forward to that as much as the Huntress. Batman Beyond has been okay. 
Um, it's, it's the better side of mediocre. It doesn't need to be relaunched, though. Batman Inc., uh, we're basically just writing it out until it ends. It's, it's entertaining, but it's, it's sort of an era that kind of, I think, has passed its expiration point, personally. So, there you go. I'm picking up Huntress. I kind of don't want to, but I kind of do. And the main reason is because supporting the Birds of Prey, and I know that it ties into that that title, but I also am interested to see what the character is like. Huntress is a very interesting character for me, and after reading No Man's Land, it, it really makes me want to delve into her history, and just, she's very back and forth, and I can't tell if it's the writing or just her in general. I guess it would have to be the writing since she's a made-up character. Um... <laughs> Penguin, no. I mean, it could be written by Jane Austen since Dustin at one point said Pride and Prejudice, but it's actually Pain and Prejudice, so I doubt I would like it. Batman Beyond, I've not picked it up. I wondered because I, I enjoy that animated series. I wondered if it would be good, but I probably won't pick that up. And then Batman Inc., as I just voiced my frustration, the fact that, you know, the only reason I was getting it was because Stephanie Brown was going to be in it, and then they're going to combine that somehow. This is like when Chloe Sullivan was supposed to be in Superman, and it was solicited, and I bought it, and then she was taken out of it. She wasn't even written in. It was so very frustrating. So this is exactly what we have there. I won't pick up any of these issues. None of them really interest me. I hate Batman Inc. with a passion. Again, see the award ceremony for said rant. Penguin doesn't sound very interesting either. I don't think, for me, the Penguin's a strong enough character to hold his own miniseries. I think they're going to struggle. However, I would like to see him in Pride and Prejudice. I think it would make that novel a lot more interesting. Oh, come on. (laughs) Huntress, she's never really interested me either as a character. What I have seen her in, she seems to be a little bit one-dimensional. I just, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to bother with any of these. Like most people, I'm not really looking forward to the Huntress miniseries. Although... You know, it's good to see that Marcus Toe's getting some work, even if it's not a major role, but we'll see when more books start coming out. Batman Beyond, I've never been the greatest fan of, but yeah, I definitely don't see why it had to be relaunched. I'm sure it's just a renumbering the stories will carry on. I think, like Dustin said, Batman Inc. is the one that suffered most out of all of this, just because it's the wind's really been taken out of its sails, and... I think Grant Morrison has definitely had to change the way he's been telling the story, and it, it doesn't feel like his writing as much. It's definitely more condensed, and there's more narrative to it than usual, where we're not usually drip-feeded these little hints, but it's been very, this is happening, this is happening, and now we're getting delays to it, and, you know, what we thought we were getting 10 issues uh, before the relaunch, and now I think we're only getting 8, if that. Which is disappointing, because I've been enjoying the series very much, and I am looking forward to seeing how it carries on and when, if it ever does. One slight confusion I do have with the Batman Inc. is I'm not sure if there's meant to be a second volume and then a maxi-series called Leviathan, or if when Batman Inc. relaunches, that is the Leviathan storyline. But other than that, um, that uh, the Penguin miniseries as well, I'm... I think it could be interesting from what we've heard about what's happening in it. So I'm kind of looking forward to that one. Batman Beyond, I don't read it now, so it's very unlikely that I will be picking it up in the future. Uh, Batman Incorporated, I I didn't enjoy the middle few issues 
of this run. So I think it'll be kind of a wait and see as far as picking it up again goes, because I'm, I almost feel like Grant Morrison's reign over Batman has ended and it's time for someone like maybe Scott Snyder to be taking over. With the Huntress miniseries, I will pick it up only for Marcus Toe's art. I'm not a huge fan of Huntress as a character. I don't think that her development has been exceptional, particularly in the Birds of Prey. And I won't be picking up Penguin, Pain and Prejudice, because I don't like Penguin. I think he's a ridiculous villain. I don't understand how he's still here. Wah, wah, wah. Thank you. Yeah, I don't read Batman Beyond. I guess I will, though. Batman Incorporated versus Leviathan. I heard or read, I can't remember now, a Grant Morrison interview this week where he said that's one thing. They're just playing with the title. They haven't decided on the title for it yet. I'll see when it gets here. The the pe- the Penguin miniseries is something I was actually kind of curious about. I don't know that he needed it, but he is one of those characters that I would like to see them actually give some dimension to because he does seem kind of flat for me. So although I wouldn't have said, let's go do a penguin mini, I am kind of curious to see what they do with it. The Huntress, the Huntress I'm intrigued by because I like the, the, uh, the old pre-crisis Huntress that was the daughter of Batman. And that was character was created by Paul Levitz. And now Paul Levitz is doing this book. So I am kind of curious to see what he does. The the solicit information was not written by an American because it says she's off in Italy on holiday or not on holiday rather, and and that's just not our uh, our way of saying things. So I'm kind of I don't know. It's it's just all these little things about it that say, what is this book going to be? All right. So then the only other titles that are worth mentioning is obviously Batman's going to appear. Batman and Batman characters are going to appear in a wide range of other books that don't really fall under the Batman banner of books. Um, Justice League will be the, n- the number one book that Batman will be appear in, but also Justice League International, Batman will actually be playing a pretty large role in that series as well, which is odd because he's the only character from the Justice League that will also be in the Justice League International, which, you know, if you know the history of the Justice League International, it's not that odd, but the way they're they're promoting the Justice League International book seems odd for the for Batman to be a part of it. Anyway... Um, the other title would be Teen Titans, specifically because that's the book that they're claiming will be Tim Drake's feature book. Tim Drake, who has been the only character who's had a continuing series since the early 90s, besides Batman himself, a part of the Bat family, uh, consecutively. Beside, well, Night, Night, Nightwing eventually had one too, but then Nightwing, you know, that, that series ended and it didn't start as early as, yeah, Tim was as first. Robin did with Tim Drake. So Tim Drake was the first member of the Bat family to get his own series. And he consistently had his own series all these years. And that was the biggest surprise to me, at least, was that he wasn't going to have his own series. He still will be Red Robin, but he will actually be part of the Teen Titans and be leading that team. And I can, I'm fine with him leading that team. But I question the, the idea of not having a Tim Drake story because there's so many Tim Drake fans. For all the fans out there that, you know, say, you know, talk about Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown and some of the other characters who've had, you know, had, had series in the past and then they, they don't have series. Tim Drake, I'm sure, is going to become the number one character that is talked about at conventions about why isn't there a Tim Drake book? Because I think a lot of the focus is, despite them saying it's going to be on 
Tim Drake leading this team. There's too many characters for Tim Drake for it to be Tim Drake's book. If that was the case, they should have just titled it Red Robin and had him lead the team's Titans out of that book. I don't know. I don't know what the thought process behind that was. But those are the three other series that are occurring a part of the New 52 that we won't be covering on the podcast, but we'll do our best to also try to cover them on the website. JL, I have no real opinion on Justice League. I mean, those are team books. Batman is a team character in the DC Universe. So, I mean, I really don't have an opinion on. Teen Titans, <laughs> if, if, if Tim Drake goes in the way of uh, Cassandra Kane, like there's going to be a backlash without question. But what, what is interesting to me about this is not just the horrible cover or the horrible costumes, but Scott Budell, who was the writer for Superboy is writing this. And even though this is supposedly team Drake's feature book, is that just going along with the idea that both Jason Dick and or all three, Jason Dick and Tim and Damien are on books because ideally no, now granted Superboy who has his own title now, We'll probably have a more of a feature there, and Tim would have a more time to shine here. But you have to share it with this new Bart, uh, Bart Allen and Cassandra Sandsmark. So I really don't know how this book was going to go. I'm really, really trepidatious about this title because I like the aspect of these characters getting together, but they're retconning so much, <laughs> so much that was good. And I don't know. This this is this is about as close to being a head scratcher as Batgirl is. So I'm not sure this is going to go. I will check it out because it's Tim Drake and it's my boy. But for the most part, it's just very very. It, it, it's its appeal is solely on the characters alone and not anything else, from what I understand. At least from my perspective. I mean, people may be excited about it. I've not heard too many people excited about it, but they're they're definitely out there. But personally, for people I know and people and for myself. It's mainly just people who are interested in these characters that might try it, rather than what they're saying. Because everything they're saying, to a lot of people's opinions, looks awful. Teen Titans. Well, I've decided to pick it up. I think a lot of it has to do with whether or not... I guess it's just intrigue. How bad is it really going to be is kind of what I want to find out. And the costumes do concern me. Having a spidery-looking person on the cover concerns me. Superboy with a taped-on sign concerns me. I mean, it's all very concerning and disturbing. And knowing that Superboy apparently is the villain at the beginning is strange, as well as Cassandra being, or I guess just Cass, uh, being... um, well, is she going to be sexy and violent too like Catwoman? Because she has some sort of kleptomania past as well. So I'm wondering about that. But Tim Drake, I agree definitely with everything that Don said, that he's a, a big fan favorite. And so he seems to be getting kind of the short end of the stick. And I also, one of the big things that I was really nervous about when I heard about this relaunch is the fact that not all the characters would be coming back. And I do wonder how they decided which characters they were going to move forward and which ones they were going to hold off on. But it just seems like all these new characters coming in, you're, you're letting go of some really good, really good characters that would do well in, I think, a Teen Titans book. Justice League International... <sighs> The one thing I have to say is having Booster Gold as team leader seems like an enormous mistake to me, and I just don't know how that's going to pan out. That was also the one that had that woman on the cover, but then they took her out, and people, well, I thought that it was Donna Troy, but then 
I guess I was incorrect and it was somebody else. So that's interesting. And then, yeah, I, I guess, I mean, Justice League, I know that it's five years in the past and, you know, Batman's there and I guess it'll be interesting to see. I've never, ever, ever uh, read a Justice League comic and I can't really say that I'm going to. I just, that's never really interested me. Um, I don't, not a big fan of the concept. Teen Titans, I'm not going to pick up in protest. They should have given Tim his own series and until they do, I will not be touching Teen Titans at all. I'm just, I, I, he's such a brilliant character, Tim, and the fact that they didn't give him his own series is a travesty and makes this relaunch a little bit sour for me. Teen Titans doesn't interest me. I'm, I'd be worried that it's just a book of angsty teenagers trying to find their way in the world and trying to work out their place in society and if they're heroes or if they're teenagers. So I won't be, I'll be avoiding that book. Justice League number one, I'm very excited for because I've always wanted to get into the Justice League and I've never been able to because there's so much history behind each character. But I'm hoping that with this relaunch and with this new number one, I'll be able to get into it. So I'm looking forward to that. Justice League International, I won't be getting this, but it it does look interesting. I, I think it's a bit weird how I assume Batman is just DC's biggest selling character because he's is in half the books and I think that's going to be one of the biggest selling points of Justice League International but I've been reading Booster Gold since it's been tying with Flashpoint and it's been pretty good but I don't think I'll be picking this up. I won't be picking up Justice League only because there are too many characters in there that just quite honestly don't interest me. I've never picked up any of the Justice League books. However, Justice League International If they manage to recreate the scene where Batman knocks out Guy Gardner with one punch and gives him a concussion, I will buy that issue. (laughs) (laughs) One punch! One punch! One punch! We're actually coming up on the 25th anniversary of that. Hmm. There's supposed to be a nod to it in some book this month, but they're they're not talking about it in the new relaunch book. Uh, I love that there's an anniversary of Batman punching a guy out. (laughs) Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, He punched him out. And the concussion gave him a nicer personality, so nobody fixed it because they all liked him better. <laughs> um, with Teen Titans, I, I'm torn because I'm of the opinion that, yeah, Tim Drake should have his own book. He is one of the best-loved characters in DC, but I don't want to not pick it up and miss out on the Tim Drake storylines. I'll be picking it up for Tim Drake, but the second they start to stray away and make it more of a team book again, I... I'll be giving it up because he should be having his own title to tell those stories in. Okay, well, I guess I'm the odd one out here because I'm looking forward to all these three titles. (laughs) (gasps) I'm getting Teen Titans, or what attracted me to Teen Titans was mainly the Superboy connection. Scott Lobdell said that Superboy and Teen Titans are almost going to be like a bi-weekly story. So that's what attracted me there. I realize that Tim Drake's costume is, is different than what it has been. It's much more of the the bird side of Robin as far as the motif he's going with. I don't know. People have wings. It doesn't turn me off. I do understand that like, if it weren't for teen Titans, Tim Drake would be the Wally West of the Batman universe. And that would be very, very, very sad. So I hope that he gets to shine in this title a lot. 
and because because he deserves it he's like i said whenever i first started reading batman tim drake becoming robin was what was happening there and i was just really really excited about that character and so i'd like to read some more about him justice league and batman's role in there is interesting because he's the one bringing the league together he's it seems like the first arc is spotlighting his first meetings with all these characters like green lantern and superman and everything and he brings the team together so that's that's new and that's interesting to me. I'd like to see how that works because of all the people to make a team, I would think that Batman would be one of the last ones. And Justice League International, the the main Justice League is not that popular uh, among the public, and the United Nations decides to make their own superhero team, and that's Justice League International. And the Justice League makes sure that one of their guys is on that team, but it's a guy that the United Nations doesn't realize as part of the Justice League. I think that's what they said at San Diego. And that's weird. That means that even as part of the Justice League, Batman is still playing the Shadow Man. And so he's going to be part of the international team without them realizing that he's part of the regular team. It's all very strange. It seems like an interesting dynamic, an interesting story concept, but I'm not sure how it's going to play out. And I'm really not sure how that actually ties in with anything as far as continuity goes with Batman being on teams before now. I think that kind of jacks up his story as being part of the Justice League in the past. But we'll just have to see. I am interested. I am intrigued. And we'll see how they go. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm also interested in these series. Teen Titans I'm not super fond of because, again, yeah, I don't really want to see the, uh, the angsty teenagers, which... Depending on who the writer is, the series can change dramatically. I'm not familiar with uh, Scott Lobdell's work, so it's hard to say exactly how that's going to work out. I'm actually really interested in Justice League International because to to kind of clarify what DC said with that was the Justice League forms and the United Nations says, yes, uh, we know that superheroes are present, we're going to make our own team. Everybody on the Justice League International team does not have their identity is not secret. The United Nation knows their, knows their identities. In addition to that, the Justice League makes sure that there's somebody on the Justice League international team, and Batman is that person. But it's unsanctioned because the UN doesn't know that Batman is actually on the team. So, like John said, Batman does kind of work behind the scenes and isn't, like, you know, getting up there and making speeches in front of the public on behalf of the United Nations. Um, but that actually is really interesting to me because we see kind of the manipulation that Batman would be working with, and I find that aspect to be interesting. Uh, Justice League, I also think, will be interesting, but it depends on how long they actually work, how long, how far, because this series is starting off as if it's five years ago, and Batman's already been around for about five years as this Justice League series is starting, so... My concern is, how long is it going to take before they get to the present time? And if it's only a matter of a couple months before they move to present time, how is it that they're going to explain, you know, how, why Cyborg is this prominent member on the team? Why is it that the team is the team that it is? Because it's not just, yes, there's the, the core members, but they also have shown, you know, art that shows that Deadman is also on the team. Why is Deadman on the team? And at the same time, he's you know he's he's being featured in other series. So is Deadman on the team? <laughs> yeah. So so there's some there's some questions that I I really need to be answered, and I don't know that only a couple of months are going to explain all of those situations. All right. So then that is 
all the series that are coming out that Batman's in, there's clearly the Johnny DC line comics are still putting out the all-new Batman, Brave and the Bold, Young Justice, Tiny Titans. Batman, obviously, will appear in all of those series as well, but the those series are not being renumbered, not part of the New 52. So that brings us to the next part, which you're probably thinking to yourself, holy cow, we're only at the halfway point. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the, this won't take nearly as long because we're just going to breeze through some of these characters. Clearly, there's some characters that there's a lot of big changes happening for them. While other characters, there's minor changes. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through a list of characters that are prominent in the books currently in the books and may not be in the books as far as we know come September, but we're going to talk about what we know about the characters, not not so much about what we know, but the changes that are happening that we are aware of, even if we don't know how the changes occur, and then some of the predictions we have for some of the characters. It, this isn't going to take nearly as long because like our very first character, we're going to talk about Bruce Wayne. I don't foresee a lot of things happening with Bruce Wayne. Some of the other characters, not a lot of things are going to change either. Clearly, when we get to Barbara Gordon, we're going to have a big discussion. Nick Grayson will have a slightly larger discussion. Some of the other supporting characters who won't be around come September will also have, you know, a little bit more time. But this is, I I promise you, this isn't the halfway point because I'm sure you've been listening to this for over two hours now. All right, so the very first character we have is Bruce Wayne. Now... I'm just going to say flat out, Bruce Wayne will obviously be teaming with Damian Wayne in Batman Robin. He is going to be the main Batman, the only Batman who's going to be appearing in the Batman books and Batman Detective Comics and every other Batman title. Dick Grayson will no longer be Batman, so Bruce Wayne goes back to being the only Batman around in the DC Universe. If you don't include the heroes that he set up outside of Gotham City that carry the bat symbol on their chest, I assume that all of them are not called Batman. They all just have other names like Batwing or Night Runner or so forth and so on. I don't, th- I don't have really any predictions for Bruce Wayne. I, I think he's just going to go back to the way he was. You know, we're going to step away from him trying to come up with this master plan to defend the entire world from some evil, and go back to you know, the core Bruce Wayne stories where Bruce Wayne's the main focus of the stories. Yeah, okay. I want to know, with the status quo, what leads Batman to want to work with Damian Wayne? And that probably has, some, has to do with why Dick Grayson is Nightwing, but we'll get into that. Why is Batman Inc. no longer prominent in Bruce's plans for his war on crime, which may or may not be important because since Batman Inc. Isn't, isn't technically over? How is Bruce Wayne portrayed? Because with this whole timeline, we have like this whole he's been around for 10 years thing, which at this point in the game with four Robins, really five. You just, you just question how all this could fit. Is, is, is anyone being specifically DH? I know they said they haven't been, but will that be revealed later on? Just how is really his relationship going to be with Superman? Since Superman is changing. Those things I have, I have a problem with, because, or not a problem with, but a question is because they say that Batman is one of the characters that's being changed the least, but things are definitely changing. So Batman is, a, is sort of like the least that's going to be affected, but there are definitely definite questions I have with character relationships and just longevity in terms of like how much has been fit into 10 years exactly. And is does all that still apply as, as it happened? Can I read those books and say that nothing changed essentially? More, I guess, broad uh, or just broader than than Donovan. I wonder 
how Bruce fits into the DCU because I think we've seen several sides of him, but most prominently, like my experience of him is that he doesn't necessarily want to be bogged down by one particular team. If you need him, he'll be there, but he's not going to be there, you know, all the time. And so, I mean, he is this kind of, what are those people called that don't really want to be by anyone else? Loners. Yeah, there we go. he is. I mean, yeah, a loner. He's, I, I just wonder if, if that aspect is the same or if he's more involved in the superhero community. Definitely the Damien Wayne, that'll be interesting, I think. And I just want to see this exploration of father-son because he's had so many adopted children. What is the difference or is there any when he has a biological child and how is that going to impact the relationship? I'm just hoping, because I really enjoyed Grant Morrison's Batman, which, especially after he came back from wherever he was outside of time, how he was a happier Batman, slightly more cheerful, and I think we're going to lose that after the relaunch, which I'm disappointed about, because we'd only just got away from the GD Batman. (laughs) Really, just, I want to see what's going to happen in Batman and Robin with his view of Damien and how he treats him as a son, as opposed to maybe an adopted ward. Bruce Wayne is starring in four titles, and then there'll be five in October, and he has both Justice League books. My, my main concern with the character is how does he sleep? All right, so then the next character of notice is Dick Grayson. Now, Dick Grayson is clearly going to be, he's Batman in August, he's Nightwing in September. So my question is, how does he get to be Nightwing? How does it happen? Does it just... Bruce comes back and says, hey, you know, I'm sick of running around the world. Gotham City's going to be mine again, even though in Dark Knight I've been here all along. Give up the cowl, go back to Nightwing. But by the way, I want you to change your colors to red. I, I don't know. I, I don't really know how it's going to happen. I, I, I have faith in the book because I think Kyle Higgins, in my opinion, has done a decent job on Gates of Gotham. And I think that he could do a good job. And it, truly, he is a fan of Nightwing. So I don't see him like really trying to mess with something that is is iconic and, and obviously not at the links that Batman is, but is definitely iconic. So I I have some faith in this in the series, and I think Dick Grayson is going to probably have a little bit more ties to Barbara Gordon come this new fifty two. Shipper. <laughs> Dick Grayson, Dick Grayson, Dick Grayson. Well, um, I hope that the decisions that are being made with Nightwing are Dick Grayson's decisions, like the change of his costume, being Nightwing in the first place. I have faith in Kyle Higgins, but uh, at the same time, there was a tweet earlier last week. Someone asked, how old is Dick Grayson now in this, in this new 52? He says, oh, 21-ish. That really concerns me. I hate that, actually, because they say over and over again, everything is still in continuity. But... Like, like, I mean, if you if you even condense his role as Robin, his history as Robin, leader of the Teen Titans, his history as Nightwing in Bloodhaven, leading the Outsiders, being on the Justice League briefly, all that stuff within like a very short amount of time, that just that kind of kills me. But I hope it's going to be explained to a logical standpoint, and I hope that I actually hope that that's not just true. That's that's really not true that he's not that young because that's just going to that's going to kill me. Yeah, that's that's my main concern. Don't make. I mean. I don't know. Do you really have to de-age Nightwing? Really? Seriously? Is he that, is he that old and decrepit at 26? I don't know. Where does it ever said he was 26, though? That, that, that was a fan theory I had, but like, he wasn't 21. What I was most concerned about, you know, with Nightwing is whether my Dick and Babs fan fiction would still hold up in this new continuity, but I think <laughs> it'll be okay. 
<laughs> Let's see. The character has had some issues in the past. I never liked some of the character direction uh, that he's had to undergo. So I'm wondering what their take on this character is going to be and why there is a necessity to look at his origin again. Hopefully, it, it will be something new and not just the same old tired tale. Looking forward to, honestly, Dick and Babs, that I think they're now going to be on par with each other, so that will be good. Whether or not they both are in each other's titles is anyone's guess. And is Nightwing going to be really separated from Batman now? Because, you know, he kind of, he was fired, and then he went off on his own and didn't have too much of a tie with Batman. So I wonder if they have a good relationship now or where that stands. I'm hoping that the relationship between Dick and Babs is not necessarily going to get together because if you read the graphic novel The Lost Years, it delves into their past and what happens after Infinite Crisis. And I think the fact that Barbara Gordon is quite clearly walking again, I think that should you know, you should see the fallout on both sides because obviously that's a major issue and if they just kind of sweep it under the carpet, it's going to seem really stupid um, unless, of course, they retcon everything and go, oh, well, all those bits kind of didn't happen but did happen but didn't happen. And I want to see him dealing with the fact that he's gone from Batman back to Nightwing now, for me, something's got to happen that is so terrible that Dick's happy to go back to that. I think it's going to be very interesting how they do it. And if they do it right, it's going to be really, really good. But it raises a lot of questions. I think Dick turning back into Nightwing is going to flow in the continuity of the titles, as in, his, his transition from Batman to Nightwing is going to it's going to be explained and it's going to happen with the relaunch. But I, it's going to be particularly smooth. I think, like I mentioned earlier, I think they're really trying to play up that he's not as happy with Batman now, which I don't think is actually the case. I think it's just that's the way it's being written now. And, uh, so I'm not that happy about it. So I think it's into good storytelling now, but if it clears up some errors when the relaunch is launched, then it will it will work and it will make it easier to pick up. As for the relationship between Barbara Gordon and Dick Grayson, which people have mentioned, I'm not looking forward to that if it's up. I think it probably will because Gail Simone is probably going to write that, which I'm not looking forward to at all. Alright, so then the next character is Tim Drake. Now, I think Tim Drake is going to have a lot less focus because he's not going to have his own series. That's not to say he's not going to pop up in the other series. I'm sure that he'll make appearances in the, the other 11 books that are happening that aren't Teen Titans. But I think Tim Drake's focus isn't going to nearly be as great as it has been in the, well, almost last 20 years. So that's, that's kind of a downfall. I don't know how... I, there's a couple of different things I don't understand is he he's essentially kind of going back to his old costume where, you know, it's 
basically the same thing he had before with a different cape instead of the Red Robin costume that he's been wearing for the last two years. So that, to me, doesn't make a lot of sense. And then still sticking with the Red Robin name, other than just to be able to have a variation from Damian Wayne. So I hope that they kind of explain why he goes back to having his costume, his, his original costume with this crazy winged cape. But I think Tim Drake's one of the, the downfalls of the, the relaunch is that he's, his focus within the Bat family is going to be underappreciated. One concern that has recently come up with Tim Drake is that is his, is his, for a lack of a more appropriate phrase, march onto villainy at the end of Rod Robin number 26, going to be carried over in Teen Titans number one. I don't think it will be, but I would like to see that character development addressed. And if he sort of maybe goes, falls back on how he was turning in that title to see him more, more heroic. I will, I want to see how, I want to see where his mind is at in this story and to see if he's like, I mean, Judging by, just judging by the way that title ended, it would be more appropriate for him to be the villain as opposed to Superboy. But I want to see what I want to see if he's so so distanced from the Bat Family. Why that is? I want to see how, how his relationship with Superboy, Cassandra, Sandsmark, and Bart has changed because it obviously has changed. And I want to know how old he is <laughs> because he's last recorded to be seventeen. Is that in the need of being younger, more relatable? I'll make mine really quick. I What most saddens me is the fact that Superboy is, quote, a villain. And I really like that brotherly relationship that Tim and Connor had in Teen Titans. It was just really strong. And when Connor, quote, died, you know, you could really tell how much it impacted Tim. And so to have this new team that is really disjointed and they don't know each other, I just wonder how that's going to play. I do have a question as to whether or not Tim's father is now alive. Does anyone know that? They haven't said. Okay. Why would he be? Well, I mean, if they're de-aging, I are supposed to be know. rolling back time just a little bit. Yeah, so I just wondered. I mean, identity crisis didn't happen too terribly long ago. I wondered if that perhaps would. But that's but that's all. Question. Interesting question. I wonder whether they're going to keep Tim down that dark path that he's going at the moment. Are they going to make him keep him kind of going in that Bruce vein or not because I think if they take him back to when he was Robin, when he was a bit lighter more airy and fun it's not going to work and it's going to seem really stupid All I'm going to say is I don't have a big problem like lots of other people seem to do with the costume I have a problem with the costume but (laughs) (laughs) But that's that's really it. I hope that they kind of flesh out what was started in Red Robin with him exploring the darker options. And I really, really hope that I don't have to read another storyline about his V-card for like two more years. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, they need to resolve that immediately. <laughs> no, no, just leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't finished that yet. <laughs> Sorry. The only thing I had to say about it is just in response to one thing that Stella said, and it's 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 less about Tim and more about Superboy. Is that he as a, you know, he he's he's been a bad guy before. I think this is just sort of an initial plot. I think they'll return to that relationship with Tim and Connor eventually. They're just he's been manipulated before. He's gonna be manipulated again. 
All right, so that's Tim Drake. Now, the the character we probably have the most to talk about, which is uh, Barbara Gordon. Um, clearly, there is some very, very big changes that are going to happen for Barbara Gordon. My concern that I have is, well, let's, well, let's just go through the change. Clearly, she's going to be able to walk, or we assume she's going to be able to walk based on everything that they've showed and said to us. And at the same time, she goes from being Oracle, which was this you know, prominent person within the entire DC universe who a lot of people came to to help for help to going back to being Batgirl, which was just essentially, and some people may disagree with me, essentially another one of the sidekicks to Batman. She's wearing a bat symbol on her chest, so, that you know, that kind of makes her part of, you know, it's essentially a sidekick of Batman. So... The, the issue that I'm having is I'm concerned about them not telling us exactly how it happens. And for some reason, well, one, I don't have faith in Gail Simone telling us how it happens to begin with. And I just don't see, I see them trying to just play it off as, oh, it happened. Oh, and here's what we're going to do. Because I love Brian Q. Miller's run on Batgirl, and I thought he did a great job. But the first four issues of Batgirl with Stephanie Brown, I think was a real downfall because they did a very poor job of explaining how exactly things went to the way they did in a timely manner. It wasn't, I think, until, I think it was issue four that we found out that Cassandra basically gave her, her bat suit over to Stephanie and said, I'm leaving. Here's, here's the Batgirl suit. But it just, there wasn't any kind of reason, there wasn't any explanation of why Cassandra did that until almost a year and a half later, there's a lot of different holes that they left, and I just foresee that do- them doing the exact same thing with this Batgirl series, where it's, oh, well, we're just going to hit the ground running, and we're going to start telling the story, and we're not going to look back, we're not going to tell what ha- how she's walking, she's just, we're going to hit it, she's going to be Batgirl, and it's going to be great. But the problem is that people who are Barbara Gordon fans, who are Oracle fans, who are Batgirl fans... They need to know why exactly this change has happened, and not just say, and and not the, the 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 stupid answer that we keep getting, which is, oh well, Barbara Gordon's the most recognized Batgirl in the DC universe. That's why we want Batgirl or Barbara Gordon to be Batgirl because completely, it's just that's not a justified answer, in my opinion. First and foremost, why are they doing this to me? Second of all, how did she get her legs back? Third of all, what prompts her to? kick Stephanie out and become Batgirl again when she's from and fourth of all, how old is she? Because apparently she's in her first section of college. Fifth of all, what is her relationship to Batman? Sixth of all, why is she not a part of the Birds of Prey? Seventh of all, how is this relationship with all the other people she contacts as Oracle? Eighth of all, does she have anything to do with Batman Inc.? Ninth of all, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> and really, really, really and truly what makes this worthwhile? I, I'm a fan of Barbara Gordon, and I'm a fan of Batgirl character, but most of all, I'm a, I'm a fan of good storytelling, and just off the offset, this is horrible storytelling, so please, please, please be awesome. Okay, so this these are some things that have been said by Gil Simone. She's a young woman just out of the first section of college. Then she went back at another point and said she's just out of college, so I'm confused on that point, who is trying to get a job in her chosen field of forensic psychology. Hello, Carly Cooper. She's the smartest member of the Bat family. 
She's most compassionate of the Bat family, and she loves to help people. So those are her strengths there. Okay. Number one, walking. Someone jokingly said in the chat window that she's still in the chair, but this is actually what I truly believe. I actually think she's still in the chair, but she has some sort of mechanical suit to allow her to crime fight and walk. If you're wondering where this reference is coming from, Birds of Prey live action series. I don't think it's too far off if they did this. However, we all know that Gil Simone got a lot of her popularity from that site, Women in Refrigerators. And she has, on multiple occasions, said, you know, if people can come back from the dead, they can have their arms again, like Roy Harper, then why can't Barbara Gordon walk again, have her, her legs? And we have seen in the past, if we are keeping everything, that the Brainiac virus allowed her to wiggle her toes a little bit. So while I do kind of think that they're going to stick with this so so as to not upset a lot of big fans of her, her of having a handicapped hero, I, I could also see her going the whole kit and caboodle and somehow doing it over again. Is she going to be Oracle again? I have no idea. Because that she's going this chosen field of forensic psychology, where's this library science? She had a PhD in library science. And this just doesn't seem like the Barbara Gordon that all of us have grown to love and the one that I've been tracing since 1967. Oracle, I think there needs to be an Oracle. I think to have this this info junkie throughout the DCU that helps people out, gives them information was a great thing to have. Brian Q. Miller was really setting it up and I told him so in the interview that, you know, had Wendy been allowed to continue in continuity, which obviously she was written off, which in modern day means sent to Narba Pondon, right? Yeah, there we go. That he definitely could have put her in that Oracle role. I think there needs to be an Oracle. Whether or not Barbara is going to have some involvement, I have no idea. I wonder about her characterization. Is she going to be put in as a rookie? It really worked for Stephanie Brown because, you know, spoiler, she messed up a lot. People didn't really like her, but it made sense as Batgirl, such a big figure that she was messing up and really learning the ropes. And then her second year, she had it down and she was still learning, but she was doing a good job. Are we going to see Barbara Gordon back, you know, in the Silver Age where she's messing up and people aren't necessarily respecting her? Is she going to clip on a little red purse to her little belt? I don't know. Job and education kind of already went on that. I do wonder what this first section of college means. Is that, did she get her bachelor's, her master's, you need a PhD to, to be able to function as a forensic psychologist. So I do wonder about this. But if Nightwing is 21, then I guess Babs is 24. I don't know. In the old days, Barbara was 25 when she was in Congress. So it's just interesting to see. The Dinah-Babs relationship, obviously, I really like that. So I wonder how that's going to go down. In general, I wonder how all the other Batgirls relate to her. Did they ever have the position of Batgirl? If it's so easy as to say Stephanie Brown was not Robin, is it just as easy to say that Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown were not Batgirl? It's an internship role. Oh. Shut up. <laughs> just, to me, really offensive. She was doing really well in an Oracle role. Why would you want to make her walk again? Why would she automatically go, oh, I can walk again? Fantastic. I I'm presuming Azrael, as the son of Jesus, must heal her. <laughs> 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 Don't remind me of that. 
and, and automatically she's gonna go and oh, I want to be that girl again. Um, go away, Stephanie, and kick her off a building or something. It's beyond stupidity, and it really makes no sense. That's all I have to tell them after, because I've been going for hours. One thing I have to point out on what he said was, you know, it's interesting that he made that comment about maybe Barbara just pushes Stephanie right the 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 last side of the building. Because the last panel... Or the last page of Batgirl with Stephanie Brown shows her like swinging off and Barbara on the thing, and all Barbara has to do is just pull out a batarang and cut a rope. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. I have never actually read Barbara Gordon as Batgirl, so I haven't taken this so to heart as everyone else. But it's it's still disappointing, obviously, because I loved Stephanie as Batgirl. But yeah, I'm just confused about the timing of this and how exactly it's going to work. And this. Gail Simone saying she's the smartest Bat family member. God. Stuff like that. <laughs> I'm a bit put off by it, but it's one of those ones I'm really going to have to wait and see with whether I like it or not. But odds are, I'm not. With Barbara Gordon, I don't really see why she had to be taken out of her role as Oracle. I think that she was a really great hero there. I think that she did a lot for the DCU, as they illustrated in the Death of Oracle arc. Aside from that, why are you doing this to Donovan? Why are you doing this to Stella? Really, that's just it. Stephanie's a character that we all really loved as Batgirl. I like Barbara as Batgirl. I'm going to read it. That's all. <laughs> Simple and sweet. All right, next up, going to kind of combine these two characters, Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown. As of right now, there's no word of Cassandra Kane or Stephanie Brown being anywhere in the New 52, which is kind of the downfall. Um... Cassandra Kane has been most recently black backed in Batman Incorporated, so I would assume because Batman Incorporated is still going to be around, she would still play that role. Or so but, they say. Yeah, or so they say, but at the same point, Batman Incorporated isn't going to be around for a while, and she hasn't played that large of a role in Batman Incorporated yet, so I don't know how that's going to work. As far as Stephanie Brown, I think it's a shame to see her not be Batgirl anymore, because I think... Her, just like Tim Drake, brought a unique balance to the the dark and grittiness of the Bat books. And not so much Tim Drake recently, but kind of the, the younger, more bubbly, as it was said earlier, feel that you don't really see a lot very often in the Batman books. And t- titles like Batgirl with Stephanie Brown was a nice refresher. And that's not to say that Batgirl with Barbara Gordon is not going to be that, but I truly believe that Batgirl with Barbara Gordon, written by Gail Simone, is not going to be like that, but just full of a bunch of stupid innuendos. So it was, I think it's a shame. Dan DiDio has said that Stephanie Brown, or he has said that there's plans for a spoiler. He, well, he said this indirectly. He just basically said, oh, I can't talk about Stephanie because I would be spoiling things. Who knows exactly what's going to happen with that. I, I would love Stephanie Brown to still be around. I, I've always loved the character even when she was a spoiler and, and not a lot of people people liked her. The people in the books, the actual characters in the books didn't like her. But I enjoyed the characters, so I would love to see these characters play roles, even if it's not as Batgirl, as fortunate as that it, unfortunate as that is. Okay, I'm, I'm going to keep this short, because I could go on and on about my massive shipping crush on Cassandra Kane. But, like, essentially, this is what I see with what they've been doing, because... At Comic-Con, Dan Adia was affronted by a fan who was a fan of Wally West and saying, you gave Barry Allen a 12-issue series saying that you're going to build him up and then you're going to bring back Wally. Now you're relaunching the universe and Wally's still not being seen. Why isn't he Flash? And Dan Adia basically said, he didn't say 
this verbatim, but essentially his answer was, we want to write Barry. That's what I get with Barbara Gordon. They don't hate these characters, but they don't care about them. That's why Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Cain, characters from the 90s, characters who were basically the next generation of these legacy characters that DC wanted us to care about and succeeded in making us care about them, are not here anymore. Because essentially, Barbara Gordon as Batgirl is a Silver Age idea that they want to attach themselves to. It's not a horrible... Well, no, it is a horrible idea, in my opinion. It's not intrinsically an evil idea, but it's an idea that, in my personal opinion, is very selfish, is not really conducive towards bringing in new readers, and is essentially has more cons than pros in it. Now, I love John Wilson, and I, I, I love that he's disagreed with me, but personally, I think that this is a backwards-thinking movement, and the fact that Stephanie and Cassandra are virtually nowhere to be seen for the first several months of this new relaunch is a product of this Silver Age mindset that I think DC generally wants to bring back towards modern readers. If you were to ask me, you know, two years ago, you know, if I were to ever have this passion for Stephanie Brown, I probably would have said no, no, no. Because when that, that this volume was coming out, I was like, well, I really hope it's Barbara Gordon back in the bat suit for, you know, I was naive back then two years ago. But now <laughs> <laughs> I love Stephanie so much that one of the reasons why I'm, I'm against Barbara going back in the costume is because Stephanie was doing a good job. And obviously... The majority of that is because of Brian Q. Miller. So I, again, question why, number one, Brian Q. Miller is not writing a book. Number two, why we have some of these obscure and new characters when there are obviously some great characters out there that we could use. Stephanie Brown as spoiler. If Stephanie Brown's going to continue in the universe, I'll be happy to see her. I'm only concerned that she's going to go back to the point where she was with spoiler. She's obviously made so much character growth. We saw in Batgirl how Grey Ghost was almost her back in the past and and I don't really that would really hurt to see her go back there when she's obviously learned so much in her role as Batgirl as for Cassandra Kane boy that character has really I I don't she has run the gauntlet and and I don't really understand why you know it sounds like a strange title but I think if you were to make a book called Batgirls and it would just a star Cassandra and Stephanie, a lot of people would buy that. And I think that would be interesting, but I, I don't make the big bucks. Does Steph's baby still exist? All right, so then next up, Damian Wayne. Not much to say. He's clearly going to continue being in Batman and Robin. Um, for some reason, if Batman and Robin ends up failing, I could see there being some issue. I don't know what it could be, but... Or even if Damian Wayne becomes even more popular than he is right now, I could see Batman and Robin losing pages and there being like a backup story in the back specifically dealing with Damian Wayne because it's been said before and it, this could entirely be possible and make sense where Damian, I don't know that Damian could carry a series, a miniseries maybe, a backup story definitely, but I think that it could be interesting to see something like that, and I would not be surprised if Batman and Robin is not doing very well if they give a backup in some of the pages of Batman and Robin for Damien. Other than that, the character will obviously appear. I'm interested probably more than anything else related to Damien in Scott Snyder's version of Damien. Damien Wayne is a character who I found uh, people either love, people either don't like, or people love to hate. Well, I like him. I'm not sure exactly sure how to address this, but I think that he is a character that is a he's a successful new character of DC, and I don't see him really going anywhere. If Batman and Robin flounders, 
I don't. I really don't think that will be his fault as much as Pierre Tomasi's lackluster writing. If it flounders, I mean, because it could be great. So whether or not Batman and Robin is a success or not, I think Damian Wayne, Damian Wayne will be here for a while unless things go cataclysmically bad that DC desperately kills him off in order to boost sales. Here we go. No, I, I was one of those people that did not like Damien. I didn't love to hate him. I just didn't like him. And, you know, part of the reason was he's, he was just like a brat. And I can understand. I mean, I guess that was truthful storytelling because, you know, looked how look at how he was raised. But he kind of turned into a human. So all I want to see for Damien is that he's retained his human-esque qualities and that he's less of an annoying uh, character. Yeah, I agree. I just hope he doesn't revert back to that bratty kid that we saw when he was first introduced. Um, I just hope Peter Tomasi treats the character a little nicer this time around. I don't want to see him being a brat, disrespecting dead bodies for some reason, which he decided to do in the Morgan, Peter Tomasi's last storyline. So just as long as he doesn't revert back to the characterization they had two years ago, I'm fine with him. So then the next up, kind of a mix of different characters, and there's not a whole lot to talk about with these, but Birds of Prey, I know a lot of people that were they're here aren't super excited about the series. I don't foresee really anything major coming out of it. I think this is going to be Black Canary's main, main book that she's going to be appearing in. I don't think she's going to have a lot to do with Green Arrow for quite some time. The other Birds of Prey members, you know, wait and see. I don't really have any predictions for them. Catwoman, I think it's about time that she is not within the Gotham City Sirens. I think Catwoman is the character who, in my opinion, has been carrying that series because most of the stories are focusing on her and her relationship, her past relationship with uh, Batman uh, as well as her present relationship with Batman. And I don't think that the series itself has, has really done anything to... I don't know why they canceled Catwoman to begin with, only to have her do the Gotham City Sirens thing and have all the stories about her in the first place. So that makes sense. Jason Todd, I think he's going to be kind of on the outskirts of what's go- what's going on in the Bat the Batman universe. I don't think we're going to see a lot of a lot of hints of what's happening in that book, as well as I don't really think he's going to maybe making a lot of appearances in the pages of the other books. I'm with you. I, I'm not sure why Catwoman was canceled in the beginning because I thought that was a pretty iconic Batman title. So I, I, I actually, I think that she does deserve a title. I just wish that Jug Winnick weren't such a. Okay, I don't. Melinda seems to like Jug Winnick, so I don't want to just rag on him the whole time. Jason Todd, uh, I want him to be dead again, but people seem to like him, so I suppose he has a place in a title as long as they write him differently and uniquely and not not a tool like as he has been for several years. Birds of Prey, I don't care. I don't care. Poison Ivy should not be on this team. Black Canary should have better teammates. And it also seems as though that the DC desperately wants like every third title to be a dark title. So this is like they're going to be taking on villains that the Justice League won't have the guts to take on or whatever. I don't understand what that what what, what kind of mindset that is because every hero should take on any type of villain. So uh, yeah, those characters, those are my thoughts on that. As for Birds of Prey, the only thing that I have to say about that is 
it was so big and so well done uh, when Chuck Dixon started out and then Gil Simone. And then obviously it, it sort of dips, though I know people are still a fan of it. And so now to have a title that if you were to ask somebody about Birds of Prey, they would say, oh, we love it, you know, Chuck Dixon and everything. Obviously, this title is not the Chuck Dixon kind of book that you would normally read. And I, I feel like this volume is going to bring back bring down the name of the other volumes. And just from that tagline that I read five hours ago, I feel like Dinah is, I, I don't know, it, it, it just all seems very misdirected characterization. Catwoman is going to be terrible, and I don't think it's going to do anything to expand the character or anything meaningful, and it looks terrible. All right, so that is everything. So the last thing we've got is just our overall feelings of the relaunch. Do we Do we feel... This is really going to be kind of like a, a scale, uh, 1 through 10. 10 being you are extremely excited about what's to come, 1 being you're not excited at all. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you about the actual relaunch? With everything that we've discussed today, as well as anything else that's coming into the future of the DC Comics. 1 being the highest? No, 10 being the highest, since you messed it up last time. I think everybody else messed it up too. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, the relaunch in general, I would give about a seven. The bat books, I would give about a six point five. This is tough to put into numbers. I would probably say a five, I guess, of the DCU, and I guess a five for the bat books too. I'm just kind of waning. I'd say hey. Eight for the DCU, and probably an eight for the Bat Books as well. I'd say for the whole DC New, probably a, a nine. There are quite a few titles that I'm interested in picking up. As for Batman, I'll probably give it seven, half, eight, because I feel like Batman Inc. is really losing out on it. Overall, DCU reboot, seven, Bat Books, five. The whole initiative with the 52, I'm a 9 or a 10 on. I've actually been really excited about this from almost day one. The bad books are not the largest part of that, though, so probably about a 7 or 8 there. All right, so then, in my opinion, I think the DC Universe in general, I think I think this is a good idea for a lot of the characters within the DC Universe, so I'm going to give this a 9 for the overall DC Universe. For the bad books, I think that I don't really think the relaunch is... It has its effects on the bat books, but I think the effects that it has are not helping it in any any in any way. So I'm going to put the bat books at a seven. So that's everything for this special. The, 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 clearly, you're listening to this, and we're less than a week away from the launch of Flashpoint number five and Justice League number one. Those two issues will be reviewed on the comic cast, which will end up being episode seventy six. We actually contemplated <laughs> relaunching with a new number one, the comic cast. <laughs> uh, during one of our episodes, but we decided not to. So episode 76 will actually be the Justice League number one and Flashpoint number five, as well as the first week of New 52 titles coming out in September. It will be myself, Don, Joe, and John Wilson. Josh will be leaving due to conflictions with the New 52, but he will still be around on the website. It's also being rebooted out of there. <laughs> yeah. So... That's kind of the idea for the comic cast going forward. We do plan on re reviewing a lot of the titles that we are not covering on the podcast, such as Justice League, 
Justice League International, Suicide Squad, Teen Titans on the website under the comic editorial section of the site as well. So that means, you know, of course, we're still looking for reviewers for all these titles, not only those titles I just mentioned, but also all the bad books as well. So if you're interested in that, shoot us an email, podcast at thebabbinguniverse.net, and let us know that you are interested in reviewing one of these titles. We know that with the new relaunch, it's supposed to be more for new readers, and that's one of the reasons we're actually bringing John Wilson on board is because he hasn't been reading the Batman books regularly, and and it's kind of like a fresh take from a new perspective because he's he's one of those newer readers to this new line of comics. So that's everything. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can check out the site for everything else Batman-related, comic podcast, normal podcasts, and a ton of other podcasts that we have as well. Daily news updated daily. That's everything. So let me remind you that this podcast has been brought to you by PopFunk.com, and PopFunk.com is a new online t-shirt shop that carries everything pop culture, from Batman to Superman and Betty Boop to Popeye. PopFunk.com truly has a t-shirt for every taste. Visit www.popfunk.com to find official and exclusive tees with your favorite characters and brands. As well as if you go onto the website, click on the banner at the top of the page, and pick out a shirt or two that you would really like to have. Shoot us an email with that. That way, we not only we know that you went to their site, but we also know that you were listening to this podcast. You could win a free t-shirt from popfunk.com. Those emails can be sent to podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. We hope you enjoyed this special. This is Dustin. This is Donovan. This is Stella saying ship on, Bat fans. This is John. This is Josh. This is Melinda. And I am John Wilson. You've been listening to the Batman Universe specials, the DC New 52 special. We'll see you guys next time. Stay sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Don't call it a reboot. Stark contrast between Stella and John. It's like, woohoo! Ah. <laughs> <laughs> As a side note, real quick, I think the reason why it has to be dark is because he's going to be dealing with a lot of like genocide. Oh, oh, okay. So there's not really a way to make a character who's dealing with like mass amounts of people being murdered for political reasons not dark. Okay. I, I want to challenge DC to make a character. As Dustin said, happy and bubbly, but dealing with genocide. <laughs> oh my god! Seventy Brown. That's that's new. That's Stephanie Rolls. Uh, Stephanie Brown's new role. <laughs> yeah. With Cassandra. She's gonna, she's gonna move to uh, Darfur. <laughs> oh gosh! I have the solicitor. What was the title? Penguin and Pain and Justice, or Pain and Prejudice. Pain and Justice. <laughs> so cataclysmic, cataclysmic, me, cataclysmic. That's supposed to be funny. Bop, 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 bop. Never mind.
Speaking of books that are starting up late, Dustin, are we going to be covering the the Legacy book? I'm sorry, is Odyssey book? The Odyssey book? No, uh, I mean we're on the podcast, <laughs> but not talking about it today. Okay, yeah, we're not talking about it today. Okay, it's just one of those things that's starting up in October, so I wasn't sure. I dread the day that book comes out. <laughs> uh, you know, if they're not preaching that sort of thing, then um, then that's fine. You know, but um. Sorry, my dad just walked in and I completely lost my train of thought. Are you talking about religion? <laughs> Get off the computer. I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. I can't. Screw it. Can I ask a question? Yes. <laughs> you kind well, of just did. Well, that's true. So another question is, and I say, hey, what a wonderful <laughs> boy where I can learn to laugh and play. Get along with each other. Yeah, Melinda. 